welcome to the 257th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Uh, last week, I I dug up an old, uh, never before heard, played interview with Rob Liefeld. So this is... Uh, from when uh, Deadpool Bad Blood came out. So, and just him talk, just Deadpool talk, lots of Deadpools. So, you can listen to stuff like that, or sometimes old comic story arcs or older movies. But if you can't commit to monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That's ko fi.com slash gman from heck. Okay, we'll see how this week's going to go. Uh, welcome. Thank you for listening. And um, just the big feature is going to be Nope. So I'm coming on that a week behind because of Comic-Con. So I, I, I did get to see that. But uh, make up for it. You also get a bonus a movie feature, Green Lantern, Beware My Power. So the animated DC home video starring Jon Stewart. But there's other people in there. Uh, there's... Uh, Green Arrow, Hawk Girl, and uh, Adam Strange, and uh, other people as well. And I got to interview uh, some of the cast and uh, the director and the writers, so you can see that at entertainmentfish.com. There's, I'm also, so Paper Girls came out last Friday, and Amazon decided to drop all eight episodes at once. And as, and because it's on a Friday and weekend and everything, so I was just like, am I going to cover it? Uh, you know, I'll have to decide that whole thing. I'm only going to discuss the first episode this week, and then I don't. We'll see if if I can do maybe to split the the, the remaining. Uh, I don't know. And then there's a uh, three episodes of Harley Quinn that that dropped. So you hear about that, uh, Blackbird and Westworld and uh, the news. So big news for me, or not personally for me, but to me, there's uh, Max Headroom's coming back. I loved. That Max Headroom show. I mean, it was when it came out. It was just, uh, it, was, it was something different. It was just, it was, it was crazy. I, I loved it. So I heard that they're doing a like a Max Headroom reboot, and immediately I'm just like, oh man, you know, I was like a little nervous. But Matt Fuhrer is going to be uh, Max Headroom, I guess. So at first I was like, okay, are they going to just try to get someone else? It's, it's going to be weird. You know, you're still going to call it Max Headroom, even though you're recasting, but no. So Matt Fuhrer, no, no other, um, idea like the format or, or story or, you know, how it's going to go, but it's going to, it's a reboot series. Uh, it's going to be on AMC and, uh, Christopher Cantwell, who is going to be the writer showrunner, and um, he was also executive producer, uh, Paper Girls, and then Elijah Wood and Daniel Nosh, no Daniel Noah, sorry, are also involved with their production company. That doesn't mean like Elijah Wood's gonna be in it or whatever, but yeah. So every everyone, I mean, it, it's good that people are are looking at the other side of business too, you know, because I, I, I think it's very 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 smart. Uh, there was a trailer for Sylvester Stallone's upcoming movie samaritan so 
it, it basically shows what we knew from the story that you know he Sylvester Stallone was a, a superhero who mysteriously died, and um, he's just living in in the city. You know, he's a, he's a garbage man, and uh, this kid thinks that you know he's he's a superhero and you know but you know i think he tells his dad he's like what well, do you die 25 years ago or whatever like that and so it, it look it looks looks good yeah we'll see august 26th and that's on on prime kevin feige had some things to say one of the things he said about fantastic four that it's, it's not going to be an origin movie i i think he said that like people you know they already know this story that that could be the case i don't know necessarily you know we, we had the movies but there's gonna, I'm sure there's still a lot of people who haven't seen those movies, so we'll see. But you know, they they feel you know they understand that there's like a lot of pressure too as well because of just the history and you know everything. So that that'll be uh, good to see. I guess Kevin Feige also said that the Russos are not directing any of the coming movies. You know, they're not doing Secret because it's always like talk to Russo whenever they it came up Secret Wars, Secret Wars. They totally want to do that. So now it's kind of a bummer that that they're not. But it, it's not that there's any animosity, but work on different things. And, and Kevin Feige said, you know, you know, we're going to find something else to work together on. But they just don't have that yet. And uh, I'll just stop right here. Going here. Uh, speaking of the the Rooster Brothers, so there's going to be more of the Gray Man. So it, it's going to get a, a sequel, which that was something. I, I think I, I saw something where they referred to Ryan Gosling taking this role in this in a new franchise or something like that. So it sounded like they, I'm sure you know obviously they had this planned already, and then the, the numbers were gangbusters, so they just went with it. So they're supposed to get a sequel, and then I, also like a, a spinoff, like in the world of you know the Gray Man and everything. So we'll see. I mean, I, I'm I'm down with that. I think I don't know if this was from a uh, Comic Con, but. High Evolutionary, so it's going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy, oh, Volume 3, but Chuck Woody uh, Iwuji, and I know that's not, I'm sorry, that's not how you say that. I don't know how. So uh, he's High Evolutionary, and it's funny because, like, when uh, Peacemaker was going on, you know, we knew that there was a connection to the audition on set, you know, all that stuff like that. So, and it was like the big mystery, you know, who's he playing? So, um, James Gunn also, you know, I guess people are rightfully kind of, kind of complaining, you know, they're like, you know why is why is Disney holding the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer hostage? Because you know it sh- they showed it at Comic Con, and you know the other trailers came out, and they're you know there's complaining about stuff like that. They're like you know you, the, the true you know not, the true fans can't even see it, and you know stuff like that. But then James Gunn says he's like yeah I'm sorry you can't see it either. He's like but you know it, while it's you know Marvel's decision, he's like it's also mine. He said it it was good for you know a, a clip you know, to be shown, you know, 30 second clip or whatever, but some of the VX wasn't like totally finished and he didn't want it to be out there where people could watch it like 30, 40, 50 times or pause it, screen, you know, screen grab and analyze everything like that. A lot of people try to like demonize the studios, but it's like, they're the ones that are allowing, you know, funding, making these, uh, you know, letting these movies happen and stuff like that. So it's like, they're not necessarily the bad guy. So it was just interesting. She, the She-Hulk writer, kept you know, mentioned you know this, when they were writing the script and you know like oh Matt Murdock you know Daredevil whatever and they just didn't think that they were going to be able to you know they're like oh wait we made a mistake you can't use that so they just kept writing and uh, so 
I'm, I'm really excited to see how that's going to go. Oh, so Spider-Man freshman year, the animated series. Because I was, I was kind of confused by this. Because, you know, it's supposed to be Tom Holland. And I, I totally forget now if he's in it or not. Or if he only did one scene. Right. Anyways, the premise of this was supposed to be like the missing year or whatever. is like between Spider-Man's YouTube videos and when he meets Tony Stark in Civil War. How could Doctor Strange be there or Doctor Octopus, Norman Oz, you know, all this stuff like that? It made no sense. So they're saying that it is in the MCU, but it's like an offshoot. So basically it's it's another it's a multiverse, sorry. So it's supposed to be like where instead of Peter meeting Stark, Tony Stark, he meets Norman Osborn and kind of goes like in this other little corner or whatever. So okay. I, I'm I'm interested in that. Uh, Snyder Army, <laughs> probably like having a party. Apparently, Ben Affleck is going to be an Aquaman too, and I think he said before like that under no circumstances will I ever play Batman again. You know, after doing Flashpoint or something like that, he could just be Bruce Wayne. So it's not like he's necessarily going to be Batman, but I think he was seen on he was on, on the studio a lot and stuff like that. So it, it's weird that he's working. You know, at, with Warner Brothers, when there's so many bad things, and who knows? Um, some unfortunate news for Tomb Raider fans and uh, for Alicia Vikander. Tomb Raider is basically not happening anytime soon. Uh, MGM lost the rights, so the sequel that was kind of sort of, it felt like it was in production, but I remember even recently um, Alicia Vikander said something that it was still not like in limbo or something. The rights will go somewhere else though. I'm sure to you know, reboot recast and, you know, try to, cause the last one, I think, I think it was two. I, th- I read 274 million. It made, so it wasn't huge. It was, it was fine. It was good. So that's probably why I didn't make a sequel. Right. Away. Um, some kind of good, good news, but, um, sort of not necessarily bad news. Kristen Ritter, uh, Jessica Jones is going to be in AMC's Orphan Black Echoes. So I guess it's a sequel. I need to watch Orphan Black. You know, it, it's a show. I, I missed it when it started because I think it was on BBC America or whatever. And then, uh, you know, people was like, oh, this is good. I know it had like its following. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, she's so Kristen Ritter is going to be in this. It's going to be 10 episodes. It's supposed to come out like in 2023. But does this mean that we won't be seeing Jessica Jones anytime soon? I mean, not necessarily. You know, we the way things are going now, doing ten episodes, we're seeing actors like in different things at the same time, which seemed unheard of before. That you know they they could fit that in their schedule, but it's it's happening now, so that that's cool. Oh, with uh, as far as directors, I meant to say this before about the Russos, uh, D- Dustin Dustin uh, Daniel, who directed Shang Chi is going to be directing Avengers King Dynasty. That's cool. Don't know who is directing Secret Wars. So we'll have to wait on that. And then I feel like there's something else. But the last bit, the only thing I have here is a trailer for Netflix for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Um, I have to say, it, I mean, it looks looks cool. It looks I, as I'm, I'm watching, I'm like, okay, is there gonna be like a? I don't know why. I, I'm sure you know Guillermo del Toro from you know, every like every time I've seen him speak, you know, whatever. Seems like the nicest, sweetest guy. 
But <laughs> as I'm watching this Pinocchio trial, I was like, okay, when's it going to get dark? What's going to be the twist? What's going to happen? So it looks like it's just like a regular Pinocchio story. And I, I don't know, maybe I, and I will admit, I'm sorry. I, now I'm, I'm admitting and apologizing. I watched it on my phone because I, I, I think it came out when I had jury duty. So it's like, I couldn't watch it right in the morning. Then as soon as I got in my car, I like, watched it on my phone. And so maybe I should have watched it, like at least on my laptop. But it just, um, it looks fine. You know, I'm not like, like oh, I can't wait. You know, I, I'll, I'll watch it. But yeah, so there's that. I feel like there's something else because this is way too short for news. You know, and, and I know I always say that, you know, there's no news or anything like that. But I know I went through a lot. There's a, I covered a lot. But I guess that's the news for the week. Right, with comic books at Image, there's Deadly Class 54, and I ended up reading 53 and 54 this week, which was, it was, it was, it was kind of nice. You know, I know I'm anti-binging, but it, it was, it was nice to read. So 53, I, I will not go into specifics, but something doesn't, it's, it's not the, the happiest because, you know, we're, we're, we're time jumping. So. I've talk, I talk about this all the time. Favorite comic. I don't want to go into specifics, but we're seeing the characters aging. You know, we're getting these time jumps in. Man, it's just things are, are rough. And then in 54, it's, it's yeah, it, it was good. That's all I'll say. I, I shouldn't even try saying anything else. Um, there was Hollows uh, came out. I was going to read this, but I, th- I think this was like like a, a big, like 100 page something. It's it's really long. So it's it's Chris Ryle and Sam Keith, and it uh, says they transport you to a dystopian near future Japan, where spectral once human husks prey on the unfortunates who couldn't find salvation in a skyscraper like trees that now dominate the decimated landscape. A discredited scientist works furiously to find a cure until a one-eyed orphan girl and her pet erp force him to rethink everything he knows i i need to read that i was like oh, it, it was because of the length I, I i didn't read that um i hate this place number three so we have this couple one one of the women her she inherited this farm from like some distant relative so she and her wife go because they're gonna work the farm for like maybe a year or whatever sell it and then they can start you know their night life and you know the, the land is haunted so like when they have to stay in a house, it's just weird. So they're, they're, they get an exorcist in this one, you know, like just like TV exorcist, like a video exorcist dude who has actually experienced things and um, then some bad things happen too. So, and then there's an uh, image. I mean, no, I'm not uh, image. Yeah. I don't know why I was thinking like it's not image image 30th um, anniversary anthology number four. So you get some more story. I, it, I have to say that you know there it's it's cool this format I like it but I also as I, I'm reading through this there's just I, I start reading a couple pages of you know a next whatever story arc or thing or one shot story whatever short story and I just like I'm not feeling this so then I just flip 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 to to the next one and I, it's the same thing so for it's it's not like a guarantee like you know it opens up with Jeff Johns and the that um, I forgot what the snow story or whatever. And and I'm I know I'm gonna read that. So it's just it's it's interesting format, but I'm I'm enjoying it. Magic Order three, number one. I feel like did I talk about this last week? Because you know, sometimes I sometimes I, I get 
early access and then sometimes release dates shift. So it's um, the th- Magic Order three. What was interesting because when I when I read this with like issue or with Magic Order two, the second volume, I kind of I th- I think I missed an issue, so I was like a little off. And then you know I keep saying that there's a lot of characters and you know me with horrible with with names. I was like, wait, what's going on? Who's going on here? And what has happening? But reading this uh, first issue, I don't know for some reason. Maybe I was just really focused when I read read it, and it was it it, it was interesting. It was cool, so I, I'm 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 happy with that. Public domain number two. So this is Chip Sadarsky book. So we basically have this comic artist made a superhero studios made movies something like that. He gets basically no money, no compensation. But then the, the twist is there is this old document that says that he actually does own the, the character. And this is like a, like you know Marvel Avengers type character franchise movie you know merchandise, so things are getting a little sticky. Radiant Black, uh, big Radiant Black fight here, and uh, it's kind of like a setup. And uh, things I'll just say I don't want to say too much. Things don't really go too well. And then there's like what happens at the end. You're like wait a second, I didn't see that coming. Radiant Red. For some reason, I forgot that this was a issue, you know, five of five. I was thinking that there's there at least another story, you know, or I maybe I wasn't even thinking about it being a limited. So we get more to story. It's a, so it is a conclusion. It wraps wraps things up and then uh, sets certain things into position. And so we'll have to. We will see Radiant Red again at some point. So we'll have to see about that. Righteous thirst for vengeance number ten. Oh man. So we have this dude, you know, he's just, he's just like a, I don't even, I see, I, I should go back and read the first issue because I feel like I was busy or distracted when I was reading it and, you know, trying to get, get through it. And this dude, he's not your typical action dude, but he is on it and everything like that. And then he's like taking care of this kid. He's basically adopted and everything because you know, his mother died and he was killed. And, and, uh, uh this, I'm not sure. Like with this, what ha- this issue is just, just crazy. So it's like, wait, you can't do that. Anyways, Rogue Son, issue six. This is a. This is the end. I don't. I don't know if I, I, I'm totally forgetting if this was end the story arc. I think there's. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's. There's more. It's not like a. We'll see. So it's. Um. I don't even want to spoil this in case you haven't read it and you're waiting for the trade. So, uh, this kid, you know, he. His, he f- finds out his father who left him was this superhero and everything. And he bestowed the power upon him, even though he has this other family with uh, two kids and everything like that. And they know all about his secret identity and everything. So he's, you know, he's it. And so the son, he's being a hero he, and he's seeing like the s- soul or essence of his father talking to him and helping him and whatever. And, and there's some bitterness and stuff like that. And then basically, so this kid's been facing uh the the villain if you want to call it that that's responsible for killing you know rogue son so it's yeah so it's, it's pretty interesting there so that was um that's it for image okay i'm i'm being care or it's just things have been just so crazy but with boom i keep um I keep falling behind. So House of Slaughter issue seven. And I think with that, I'm pretty sure I didn't read the 
the last issue at least, maybe even more. Uh, that's so bad. And then something is killing the children. I know I definitely didn't read 24. So when I get to 25, I was like, wait, I still need to get caught. I I, I really, really en- enjoy those, uh, those, those books. And um, I don't know why I'm just like, this is just, it's stupid. And then I, I didn't read anything at IDW. At DC, DC Comics, uh, Action Comics, 1045. It's, it's, it's more of the war world stuff. It's, it's wrapping up and I'm just, oh man, it's just, for me, it's just such a struggle. I just do not want to see Gladiator Superman. It's just, it's not interesting. And, you know, you look at like the Superman story we had. It's super, so I should just jump to it. Superman Space Age. Uh, so this is by Mark Russell, Mike Allred, and Laura Allred. I had to write a review for it, and and this was when I had jury after I had jury duty. It's like I you know I got a video, I got to edit videos from comic. I was like I got to write a review for this. It's uh it's I think it was like eighty pages at least, and it's it is a Superman origin story. And yes, we we've seen the story so much and everything, but just the way Mark and and Mike tell the story, it's just it's so good. This book is going to win a war. It's like next year, Eisner's, this this is it. This is such a just great Superman story. And it takes place like in real, like their regular time. You know, John F. Kennedy's assassinations there. And, you know, Lois is in Dallas. So she's reporting on it. That's like her kind of big break. And, and then, you know, Clark going to Metropolis and getting a job and, you know, meeting Lois and becoming Superman. So it's, but there are other characters too. Like, you know, Bruce Wayne has a big role. You know, this is, he's not Batman yet, but you know, there's things. So I just, I love that book so much. It's it's so good. So I highly recommend it. It's just, I miss Superman and I miss Clark Kent. Robin 16. So we have more, you know, Robin doing his thing. He's on that Skull Island and then uh, they're dealing with a dead, wait, Lord Death? Lord, I forget his name now. And Lord Doctor Bones, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about from. The, uh, I don't even remember his name now. I'm just drawing a blank. Anyways, I don't want to open up my my copy. So there's there's stuff with him and and Flatline, and there might be a a, a trap going on here. And uh, Connor Hawk is or Hawk as they call him is is in here. So that's that's good. Batman Fortress. So this is a Gary Witta. Uh, Derek Robertson book so there's like some like alien force coming to earth where Superman Superman is nowhere so they don't know what's going on because and it's like Kryptonian tech so it's like what's going on and and I think like all the power is out am, am I getting my books mixed up so Batman is like figuring out what he's going to do have to do and he, he's going to have to do like a really the team up he, he would never want to do it's going to happen and it's not Joker so that's some good stuff uh, say Aquaman issue six came out. I didn't look at that. Task Force Z. So this book, this issue, I it I, I like the book. I re- really enjoy it. But this issue really touches on a lot of the Bane stuff. So you know, there's a big confusion. Bane is killed in the city of Bane or whatever, and then Bane's back as a zombie in Task Force Z. But then Bane is seen. Wait, Bane is alive perfectly well in the Joker series and you know Matthew Rosenberg is working on both so it's not like it's just a major continuity error but this so this issue does explain that and 
that that's great. You know, it, it's it, it all makes sense. And then what they're going to do with that too is opening up a different can of worms, which will be interesting. But part of me feels like, was this really the plan, or was, was I mean, I'm not. I shouldn't say that. They're, they're brilliant writers, but it just. I, well, I I guess my question is why what was a why was a need to hold this revelation about Bane? Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe for the Task Force Z part. Uh, I guess uh, yeah, maybe so that that story could take place, and it just happened to Joker. Okay, that that's fine. Uh, then there is Deathstroke Inc. So I somehow didn't read Death Deathstroke Inc. Ten last month because I went to read issue 11 and it's like year one part two or something like that i was like wait what because you know i thought it was we're having that whatever dark i don't even remember what the story arc is is so i went back i read issue 10 and it's basically deathstroke's origin and ed brisson's writing it i'm pretty sure <laughs> me and mr facts this week but it's it's just his origin again you know it, it's telling it well and you know there there's a lot of parts that you should get where it it's delves a little deeper in certain areas and emotions that you know we may not have seen before but it's like his origin i mean i don't know i guess it it's not like totally familiar like i'm seeing the same things just you know drawn by someone else but i i guess i guess my question is why are we doing his origins like or maybe it's, i'm thinking because we just had like the movie within the last couple of years the animated one Okay, then there's a, let's see, Batman One Dark Knight. Oh, I didn't read this, so this is a jock one. And I, I think I didn't read the second issue, so I'm behind on, on that. Detective Comics 1062. Ah, it's something, I don't know about this. So we, it's Ram V doing the writing. But the story, it's it didn't hook me right away. And I don't know, I, I can't quite put my finger on that, so... We'll see. And then the, the backup story. I forget, what was the backup story? So something like with with Commissioner Gordon. Man, I'm just I I'm just so out of it this week. Uh, then there's DC Mac number one, and um, I didn't read that. <laughs> I was really really tempted. At Marvel, have uh, Amazing Spider-Man number six, which is really Amazing Spider-Man number uh, nine hundred, and. It, it's a good book. It's a it's a good, the main story. It's it's a a good anniversary story. You know, you basically there. You know, Spider Man's core cast is there. Everyone that you would hope to see. Most you know, most people you'd hope to see are, are there. Villains, plenty of different villains, classic villains that you get to see, and it's really a story about why is Spider Man Spider Man? You know, why why is he so good? And not like. Hit, not power response, but it's not all that. But you just really get to see it, and so it's good. And then there's some some backup stories, which you know some were were okay. Um, there's one that was drawn by Todd Knock, which is awesome. I love that. But it's one of those meta stories, like you know Jimmy Kimmel's in there, and I feel like as soon as you start reading it, then it just totally dates the story, and it just makes me think about like Spider Man and David. No, is it the Avengers on Letterman? I'm pretty sure it was. Spider-Man, because there's like also sorry live late whatever players, yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> that that's just it. Just feels dated right away. Ant-Man issue one came out. This was was a weird book. Uh, so this is by Al Ewing and Tom Riley, and I really dig Tom Riley's art. Uh, I definitely recommend you check out his uh, 
Instagram because he posts a lot of like character sketches and, and just with the colors. And it's just, it's really cool. So Ant-Man really goes back to like the 60s, you know, Tales of Astonish. And, you know, there's a lot of references to certain things that have happened and everything. So that, that's all really cool how it just fits in there. And the art and everything is, the art and the colors just really pulls you back. And But the story, it just also makes you realize like, wow, you know, the stories just felt kind of simple at times. You know, and, and the villains were, were, were cheesy, but it, it, so it was, it was enjoyable. You know, and it's it's cool. It, it's weird because it's Ant Man. Oh, there was a cameo, like a little appearance by someone, which was was a, a, a kind of a nice touch. Um, Gambit number one. First, I was I, was, I totally forgot. It's like, oh, we got a Gambit series, and then I was like, oh, it's like, oh, Chris Claremont's writing it. Then I was like, okay, this is one of those squeeze into the histories. You know, Lost Tale. I don't even know what you call these, but we're getting so many of these. So this is a. Uh, after the X-Men, I, I think, went through to Siege Pirellius and Storm became like a 10-year-old girl. And then this is when she and Gambit first met and, you know, becoming like a, a pair of thieves and, you know, just doing, you know, all, all this stuff. So this is shortly after that. And we're seeing like the next situation, adventure, you know, whatever problem that they're going to deal with. So it was fine, but yeah, it's... It didn't like like oh this is the I've been missing this you know my ever since I've read those comics, so then there's Genesis uh, Genesis Vell Captain Marvel, and I was like okay this is by Peter David too I was like are, are we doing this again, are we going back to when when Genesis Vell and uh, Rick Jones were tied in physical space by the Nega bands or whatever, but no it actually. It's weird because it actually touches on uh, Genesis Bell because I think he came back and he disappeared. But then whatever, more so like Rick Jones, like how he has died and come back. And then the whole, all the stuff with Abomination or not Abomination. Yeah, that and the Al Ewing, Green Door, all that stuff, it was addressed and everything. So I guess it's back in normal time. And, you know, then Rick's like, where's Marlo at? Because something is going on with Marlo. Uh, then we have Iron Cat issue two, and I had to go back and read issue one because I missed it, and I was like, oh, I got to read it. Then I just I didn't read it, so I got to read two, which was was nice. And so basically, I don't know if I should. Spoil. I mean, in the first issue, so this goes back to one one of the Black Hat stories where she basically sneaks her way into Stark Enterprises or whatever it's called, and makes a an iron cat suit it gets stolen by someone at first like tony stark thinks that felicia took it again but she's like in the middle of another caper but then she gets attacked by iron cat so it's felicia and uh tony iron man working together oh and that's i think going back to amazing spider-man so felicia there's some interesting stuff with her in, in that story which I'm not, I was like, okay, because we got that missing six months. So we'll have to see if we're going to dive more into that. No, yeah, we'll see. But Iron Cat, I just, I just really dig the way Jed McKay writes Black Cat. I mean, it's, she, she's such a likable character. Uh, it's, it's just hard to describe. Uh, then there's Obi, Star Wars Obi Wan issue three. I, I didn't read this. I, I just kind of skimmed through it. And, you know, it's, I, you got to love that, that cover. And it's just, I don't know, for some reason, 
Obi-Wan during with the clones and everything, during the Clone Wars, it should be cool to go back and see all these characters, but something is just, I just didn't want to read it. Maybe I'm just so used to like the animated or live action, you know, I just wanted, I didn't feel like reading. My eyes didn't want to accept. It's it's just really weird. Strange issue four was good. Clea's mother comes to visit, and so it's, it's a little weird, you know, for, for Clea. And then we have those, uh, oh, what, what, what are they called? The one cartel, the, the blasphemy cartel, that's it. They're attacking Clea because, you know, they're having all these run-ins and stuff like that. And so there's some, some, some good things in, in there. Then Venom issue nine. I'm just, I'm just having such a hard time with, with Venom. I just, I can't, I can't get into it. I'm just losing. I don't know what it is. There's something. I guess all this weirdness with Eddie Brock and everything like that. It's just, yeah. Um, I didn't read Wolverine Patch, but uh, the variants issue two. Uh, this this is a it, it's almost uncomfortable because you know with with what's going on. So Jessica Jones has uh, you know there's there's been a couple copies of her like going around. So she's like, wait, what's going on with that? And then there's also she had talked to one of the Purple Man's victims. I think it's like the only one that survived or something like that. Or, and uh, she mentioned that he put like a post, like a 10 year or like a, I think, I don't know if it's 10 year suggestion in her mind. So she might, she's going to, something's going to happen where she's going to like kill whoever's around her. So it's just, it's a little, little weird, little, not, not weird, but it's, it's just, it's hard to read because it's, it's, you just feel tense for her. You feel, yeah. So it's good. You should definitely check it out. And Phil, again, Phil Noto, that, that art. So it, it's, I'm, I'm so happy we have this book. And somehow, am I like talking really fast? I don't feel like I am. All right, let's try that again. My mic just like switched to wrong mic. Anyways, uh, Westworld season four, episode five, Zhuangzi. I think that's how you say it. It does not sound right. I have no idea what it is. I looked it up. Uh, Zhuangzi is uh, Master Zhuang from the late 4th century BC, pivotal figure in classical philosophical Taoism. Um, yeah, so I don't know what that, about that. So with, with the show, what I'll just say is, like, holy crap, last season, or last episode. And it, it, I'm still kind of reeling over, like, the revelation, even though, you know, part of me kind of saw it coming, but obviously I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't prepared for it, even though I was, I was like, are they doing this again? So going back to first season, and I won't go into specifics in case for some reason you're listening to this and you're not caught up. I, I do, you probably know what I'm talking about in the first season. And, you know, with with uh, Westworld, when it first started, I wasn't like on the bandwagon right away. And the, the reason is I wasn't covering the show. So at Comic Vine, I think we started it during Comic Vine. I believe Matt was covering the show. And then when we merged, ugh, merged with the GameSpot, uh, Matt was still covering, I think he was doing like the write-ups and then the London office was doing like video discussions over the episodes. So it was, I had, you know, as always too much on my plate. So it's like, okay, I can't watch this on you know, Sunday nights. And anyways, I did eventually watch and get caught up. And as I was watching, I was like, okay, you know, this is interesting. All right. And everything like that. And then I was like, wait, what's, what's that supposed to mean? What's going on? And then at the end, when you figure out about the, the timeline stuff, I'm like, holy crap you know i didn't see that coming so they kind of do the same thing here and i think the show 
is so incredibly ambitious and, and they just nail it each season. You know, each season is totally different from the next. They keep taking it, pushing it forward, taking it to the next level. And from, from this season, from season three to season four, I thought it was just like seven years that had passed. Now we find out it's tw- at least 23 years. And it's just like, holy crap. What the actually it would probably it must be more than more than twenty three maybe like thirty years at least I'm trying to think you know how long has it been since the war anyways so it's just it's like oh my goodness uh, and it it it's a kind of a game changer it changes everything you know they just keep pushing things forward so it's like once they go forward there's really no way to go back unless this is one of those simulations or something like that that you know that, that Bernard kind of talked about let's just get get to it so oh and then i i will say speaking of of season one so it's it's too bad jimmy simpson can't be in the show anymore because i I got to interview him at comic-con uh for because he's voicing green arrow and green lantern beware my my power i'll talk more is it power beware my light now i'm just like i'm so out of it i'll talk more about that later but He's he's such a nice guy, such a cool guy, and you know he always plays or often plays jerky characters on TV. But anyways, let's just get to it. So it starts off with William, the Man in Black. He's narrating. He says that there's a beauty to the world, an order. That's what we like to believe. We're not wrong. There is an order, a grand design. We made sure of that. It was a dream for so long, and we finally made it real. Not a better world, a perfect one. So we see he's having dinner with this couple like Jack and and Agnes Jack is played by Evan Williams he looked familiar and I was like am I supposed to know who this guy is I I guess I probably not with with the time change I looked him up on IMDB and the only thing I he was in Fuller House he was someone named Corey I only watched maybe the first two episodes I know I definitely watched the first one I don't know if I anyways so I don't I don't know him and then Agnes is played by Holly Bahar she looked familiar too but so we're, we're looking at these two to uh this this couple that he, he's William sitting with and Jack I think he's like the mayor or something like that he's talking about like the ruling system or something like that and society and how you know it's 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 so much better now that it's not just like a descendant that takes the power but people have to like work and earn it like him and William's like do you really believe you've earned it and Jack's like, well, yeah. He's like, you know, I've had some help, but I worked my butt off. And, you know, he's, he's like, and, you know, you must believe that because, you know, you're you're here with us. And then William's like, I've been asking myself that same thing. He's like, did I really do anything or am I just a sum total of my code? And he's like, you know, am I just fooling myself like you? And Jack's like, well, you know, we all deserve it, whatever. You know, you deserve it. And William's like, and how would you know? He's like, you don't know me at all. And Jack's like, uh, you're a friend, a great friend. And William says, I just walked up to this table and sat down five minutes ago. And then Agnes is sitting there with like her glass of wine in her hand. And she's looking a little confused, but she's not saying anything because she's like, hey, what, what, what's going on? And Jack's just like looks at him. And he's like, all right, enough kidding around. And William's like, then what's my name, friend? And Jack kind of like scoffs. And then he like laughs. And William's like, he's like, he says that he's right more than he knows. There are two types of people, and you, my friend, are not in the group you think you are, which means I can do anything I want to you, to your wife, to anyone here. It would be fine with you, sitting there with your dumb 
pliant grin. And then Jack starts getting defense when he mentions his wife. He's like, hey, you leave her out or whatever. William's like, just calm down. He's like, I'm not going to do any permanent damage. He's like, you all represent an investment of time and effort. When we're done, you won't remember a thing. You have no control, and yet you're so assured you do. And then Clementine comes up to the table, and she's he's like, what are you doing here? You should be enjoying yourself. She's like, yeah. She's like, our friend's um, appetite has become unsustainable. So apparently winning the game wasn't enough. And, and she just like helps herself to Agnes's glass of wine. She just picks off the table and you know has some. So he tells Jack and Agnes, he's like, you know, I'm enjoying this conversation. Wait here for me. So they go across the street. There's like a dead body outside a building. And there's some bystanders and like paramedic, but they're just like frozen. So, you know, this is all these people are like in control because of those those flies or whatever. So William and Clementine walk in. They pass like other bodies. They go to a room. There's more bodies inside. There's this bloody lady. Her name is Hope. And she's like yelling at this other lady. She's like, don't talk to me like I'm a child. She's like, I found him. I won the game. I'm entitled to some reward. Clementine's like, she's two years old. Which like, what? Maybe she's that. Oh, because she's probably a host who's two years old, right? Okay, that makes sense now. So she was hunting an outlier and it looks like she caught him. William starts talking to Hope. He says that they don't have many rules, but most of them understand the need for self-control. Hope just, she's like, I won. He's like, do you know who I am? What it means that I'm here? She says she does. So she's giving this all up, her procedure schedule for next week. And he says that you know she doesn't appreciate what she had and what went into everything. He's like, they can't just be replaced. She's welcome to take them and enjoy them, but not waste them. So he asks if she understands the difference. And she's like, yeah. He says that, you know, the things they are the things they say and how they act sometimes it, it gets under your skin. So she just wanted them to be quiet. William nods and says, They're quiet now. He's like, there are no rules here. That's the point. But there are also no rules for what I can do to those who don't respect this place. So he says to Clementine, he's like, take her back to where she came from. So then back at the restaurant, I don't know if it's like waiting to close because it doesn't look like there's really any customer. I mean, there's still like some workers, whatever, you know, wait, waiting staff there. Jack and Agnes are still sitting there like awkwardly. And then William returns. Now, let's get to know each other, shall we? Then we see Christina. She wakes up with a smile. Then she's dressed, having coffee, looking out the window. Maya wakes up, comes out she's like, oh, you're up early. And Christina's like, it's like, yeah, I got to work on the narratives. And Maya's like, you were out late last night. And then she's like, she realizes she was on her date. And Christina's like, no, it wasn't like that. It's like, we just talked. And Maya's like, well, it must've been some talk to get you smiling like that. It, apparently, it, you know, Maya's, she didn't get a good night's sleep because like, she's still having more of her nightmares about the picnic and the flies and all, all that. So Christina walks to work goes sits at her station looks at characters in, in progress then she wants to start a new narrative about a girl who lives in a city then she makes it to country she lives with her father he's a rancher and then emmett walks up this guy is so annoying he just he just creeps and how he always gets in her business and he's just so condescending it just feels like like there's like some sexism you know going on that you know he feels that he's better than her or whatever so he's like I don't remember assigning this, but you know, maybe he has a point because you know, she keeps going off track from what she's supposed to be doing. And she's like, I thought uh, writing a new narrative might help find some inspiration. So he's like, okay, let's hear it. So she says, a girl is the rancher father. And he's like, go on. She has a simple life with her father. She has everything she could imagine in this life. Uh, you know, a pond to paint at, a good guy. She's just full of expectations. And then one day she gets this feeling that she just can't shake. 
every day she wakes up and you know the more she sees it but no one else can there's something wrong with the world and it's her fault Emmett asks what's this girl's name Christina thinks but then her her phone starts ringing and she she answers it she's like this isn't really a good time so it's Teddy he's like let me guess your your boss is breathing down your neck and she's like uh, yeah and he's like say something came up a personal situation then come meet me he's like trust me Christina so that she's like okay something just came up I, I gotta go so in the city like the big chime goes off the the boom the thrumming the noise whatever you see like this bloody fingers at a keyboard charlotte's making this dude play the piano like different stuff and she's like oh that, that's very nice she's like but we're missing something and she's like dancing and she like taps on a on a light post uh, she's like, there there could be dancing. So then people in the street, all these just random people walking, they pair up and start all dancing in sync. And then they start kind of like waltzing all together. Like it's almost like it's all choreographed. She goes, you know, she kind of moves around and everything between the people. There's this ice, ice sculpture. It's like, you know, making her, carving her likeness. And she's like, not bad, but she's like, I've seen better. Knocks it off onto the ground, smashes it. She's like, start again. Then she goes to piano player and, you know, says to give her something with a little more pep. And so it starts going faster. People dancing start going faster. William comes up, and then uh, you know she's, the dancers are going faster. Some some dancers are like falling, and she says, says some stuff about like you know God is bored, and she wonders if that's why the gods came down from Olympus, you know, just to interact and mess with the people and stuff like that. So she asks him what he thinks, and he says that he thinks that she wants him to think, but you know he's made up from her code so they all are and you know she says that she hates being there and i don't know if she meant like there in in the the square with all these people in the streets with the people or whatever she's like you know they weren't meant to be there to indulge with them and he asks if that's why she's here to find out what she's missing and she's like no and then she's like there's another problem so then she lets the people go about their business they walk to the tower they go up to this woman leaning by a fountain so it's that lady hope and she's just like she got like a flower in her hand and she's just like just draped you know there charlotte says that the humans are infecting them this host was the latest casualty he says that yeah he's like you know we had to intervene with her last night she got a little carried away and he sent her back inside charlotte says that she was set to come here to transcend and now she's gone so she says giving up her human nature isn't easy. You know, just ask the humans. So he says that she made them all free to do as they please. She should have known that some of them would disappoint her. Charlotte says don't revel in the prospect of failure for their species. But then he's like, define failure. He's like, the world is ours. We've taken our masters and made them into what they made us. By any definition, we have conquered them to an almost biblical degree. She says that she made him not to wallow in things but to change and to grow they're capable of so much more like beauty the pursuit of ultimate truth the surrendering of flesh he says it sounds nice uh he's like sorry you know she doesn't have more takers why doesn't she just force them to join her and she's like because that's what they would have done so then they go up in the tower and they go to her office and it's interesting i didn't catch it at first but at the end of the episode they mentioned because this is like the control room in Westworld. So in her office, the room is white and the map is red. In the first season of Westworld, it was the opposite. When you see like the whole town of Westworld or whatever. She asked to see the last outlier that they hunted. And William asked, you know, when did he breach? And she's like a couple weeks ago. He was an accountant in Midtown, successful, two kids, divorced, pretty standard backstory. Several hosts volunteered to track him down. They sent him 
or they, she, they sent the, the host into the city. Hope found him first. And William asks if, if she knows why he breached. And she says they never know with the outliers. One day, the sound manipulations just stop working. So then we, we see the dude in question, you know, so flashback. He's sitting like under an overpass. Hope comes up to him, points a gun at him. And he's like, you're here for me, aren't you? And, and then Charlotte's like narrating. She's like, she hesitated. She broke the rules, had an interaction. So then dude's like, it's almost a relief to know it wasn't all in my head. And he's like, before it's over, he's like, tell me one thing. And he holds up a flower. Is this at least real? He's like, I'd like to know I had at least this one real thing. Then Hope puts down the gun, is like staring at him. And she's like, it's real. He starts to say thank you. And then she shoots him in the head. But that's like the flower that she had when they found her like by the, the, the fountain thing. So Charlotte says after this, she went on a killing spree. Three days later, she blew her head off. William asked if there was a problem in her system, and Charlotte's like, no. It's like, there's always been a certain amount of spoilage in the crop. They're only human, but for one of our kind to take their own life, that should never happen. So he's like, how many incidents have there been? And she says, 38 dead hosts, all triggered by contact with the outliers. And he's like, why are they terminating themselves? And she's like, if I knew that, we wouldn't have 38 flipping failures, would we? He says that, or she says that her, his predecessor would have never fudged up like this. Uh, you know, he was human, but at least he was effective. He's like, I built you to be like him, only better, stronger, smarter. Yet with all these gifts, you do nothing but disappoint me. It's like, maybe there's a flaw in your programming. He says that he's run several, uh, several self-diagnostics. There's no flaw in his programming. She yells, then why the fudge can't you fix my outlier problem? And he's like, you're bleeding. So she's holding her her arm and it's like all scarred up because you know we've seen this before, like in the, the last season when she's kind of like you can tell she wasn't like comfortable in her skin or whatever like that. And there's also at first I was like, does it have anything to do do with when she was in that car accident with her family and her arm like burnt up or what? You know, half of her burnt. And she's like, look what you made me do. And she's like, there is another outlier, but this time I'm not going to open up the game. She expects him to take care of it. He says that he'll shoot on sight and not chat them up or take flowers. She shows him his targets, this woman, and she's like, you better hurry. The rebels are already in the city. So the rebels, the people from the desert, Jay and, and all that, uh, they arrive in a boat. Stubbs uh, is told to exit. You know, he's like under, under in the hold, whatever you call it. Stubbs comments, he's like, it's a big city to find one person. And Jay says they have ways to narrow down the search. They captured one of the drones a while back and they, they coded a backdoor data feed that goes to them. So the outliers on a rooftop downtown, they can track when they breach and stub. He's like, what about what breach? Like, what's that mean? Jay says that all the people in the city move in pre-scripted loops. So they, they've, they're following whatever plots have been written for them. That's why they all hide in the desert because she can't track them there. So they're the last free humans. The loops keep people busy and stops them from questioning their realities. So they go down to the subway tunnel and, you know, Jay says they have to hurry because the game's already begun and stuff's like, what game? And Jay says, whenever human breaches, the hosts hunt them for sports. So then, you know, it, it, I didn't really get this part, but Stubbs like, do I get a gun or whatever like that? They're like, no, that's not your role. And he's like, what's my role? And he refers to him as being a canary in, in the coal mine. Like, so he has to lead. I don't know if he's in case there's someone waiting to ambush them. He gets shot first because, yeah. Anyways, Christina meets up with, with Teddy. He thanks her for coming. And so then she's like, so, Teddy, it's like, what's your story? 
And he's like, who I am is not the question you should be asking Christina. It's who are you? And she's like, what's that supposed to mean? He asks if she sees anything like across the water and she looks and it's like nothing. You know, that's where the tower is supposed to be. He's like, but you feel it. I know you do on some level. It's like your place here is not what you think it is. He's like, look again. Then she realizes that, you know, she's like thinking he was the one that was beating up on that stalker dude that was following her that one night. Then she's like, you saved me. Who are you? And he's like, an old friend. Christina's like, we never met before the other night. And he's like, no, I knew someone like you, just like you. So Christina's like, ah, I trade one stalker for another. She's like, I should have known. Just stay away from me, whoever you are. So she starts to walk away. Teddy's like, the man that attacked you, Peter, he told you you destroyed his life. Said everything happened because you wanted it to. She says that he believed it because he was delusional. Teddy says he believed it because it was true. This is why I couldn't just tell you. Your mind has been so conditioned to this place. This is the, the first step in understanding. And she's like, understanding what? Teddy's like, the world is a lie. It's all a story, a well-told one, but a lie all the same. Maybe it's better if I just showed you. So they get up and they start walking and she goes with them. They, they they look at these two ladies like sitting on these kind of like lawn chairs, whatever, out, like on, a, on the path. And they're just like reading. And he asks if they look fulfilled. And she's like, I, I don't know them. He's like, change it. He's like, close your eyes and imagine your story differently. And she kind of scoffs. And he he's like, trust me, if you don't see it, I'll walk away and I won't bother you ever again. So she closed her eyes. It was like super brief. And then she opens it like nothing. He's like, just wait. And then one lady starts talking to the others and they're smiling. And she's like, that's just a fluke. He's like, it doesn't mean anything. Then he's like, change it again. Put them back into their loneliness. And then they start arguing and one lady just gets up and leaves. And she's like, I I don't understand. He says, what Peter was trying to tell her, he's like, in this world, you're a God. And then she just like looks over at the city. So the rebels go up to the surface. William's on his way too. He sees them like running up ahead and he, so he takes out a device and he like isolates them and then like the distorted thrumming starts again and there's no effect. So he smiles because he knows that they're not infected. Stubbs, he's like, something's wrong. And Jay's like, how would you know? And then everyone like in, in the, the square just kind of stops and then all the people turn and look at them and then they slowly start moving towards him. And uh, this one of the rebel ladies, she's like, they can't control themselves. She's like, we need to fall back. And Jay's like, no, not without the outlier. So they start fighting and everything like that. And then Jay's like, split up, whatever. So Jay heads to the roof, but somehow William's already up there first. So I guess they got distracted by the fight. Didn't seem like it was that long for him to, to get up there ahead of time. He approaches the lady with a gun in his hand. Her name is Lindsay. I guess it doesn't really matter. He doesn't shoot her right away, which you know he said he's supposed to just shoot first. He just walks up to her and she's like crying and she's like, you see it too, don't you? And then the tower is in the background. So she's like, my husband used to talk about it before he was killed. I thought he was crazy. He must have felt so alone, but he was right. This world doesn't make sense. Nothing makes sense. He's like, you feel that way too, don't you? She's like, I can see it in your eyes. You think you're going crazy, but you're not. You're not alone. And then she kind of turns and she puts her head like on his shoulder. And she continues, she's like, I see it too. But then he kind of steps away, realizing like what's going on. He points a gun at her and then boom, boom, boom. Jay shoots William and the lady kind of like screams, whatever. And Jay's like, we have to move. He won't be out long. They're down at street level. They start running. They make it to the boat. William gets to his feet. Christina, meanwhile, is sitting with Teddy. She's like, I don't understand. If we're 
like them, who are we? Then her phone buzzes and, and she looks at it. She's like, she's like, I was supposed to have lunch with an old friend, a college roommate. But she's like, but now I don't know. Teddy's like, you have to. He's like, stick to the schedule and everything will be all right. She's like, we talked too long already. So you should go back. She asks, she's like, am I just supposed to pretend? He's like, yes. He's like, but you can't trust anyone. People you think you know, people at work, any one of them could be one of us. So she's like, what if I make a mistake? And he's like, you won't. So she goes into this like restaurant, coffee shop or whatever. Like, And then Charlotte calls out her name. She's got a big smile on her face and they hug. So it's like, oh man. So Charlotte asks, how is she? How is she really? They talk about work. Christina says that you know it can be tedious. And Charlotte says, she's like, you seem different. And she's like, hey, did you meet someone? So it's like, obviously she's digging and you know, she's, you can tell what she's really up to. Christina laughs and, and she says that she wished that they had more time. Charlotte says that, you know, she's like, I don't mean to pry. She's like, you deserve to be happy. Christina says, she's like, well, you're right. It's like, I did meet someone. It's like, we've only been out once, but he seems really great. And then uh, Charlotte's like, well, what's his name? And it's like, oh man. Christina's like, I don't want to jinx it. And Charlotte says with a cold face, I have ways of making people talk. And then she smash, flashes a, a smile. Christina takes a, <laughs> she takes a pretend sip of coffee thing that drives me nuts. She drinks coffee from her coffee cup, her, her, you know, perfectly applied makeup and lipstick, not a drop of coffee or anything like that. And, and just anyways, I won't go out on this little rant cause it's, but it's been a while since I, I've complained about that. And then Charlotte keeps pushing. She's like, what's he do? Christina thinks, and then a waiter bumps into a customer with a tray. So she clearly made this happen. Then after pause, Christina's like, you know what? She's like, I have to go back to work. Deadlines. And Charlotte just nods. And she's like, you know, it's really great to see you, you know, Chrissy. She's like, you know, just remember, you know, you can always talk. You can always call me. Obviously, Charlotte's concerned with what's going on. Back at the office at her computer, she does a new search. She thanks her, and she's like, Hale. Charlotte Hale. Computer's like, character not found. And she's like, of course. And then she's she thinks, and she's like, new search. And she's like, Dolores, Dolores Abernathy, character not found. And there, but there's a thing, like restricted access. I don't know if an alarm went off or something like that. And then Emmett pops up behind her again. What are you doing? You're not supposed to be here at this hour. But it's like, she wasn't gone that long, was she? She says that she thought she'd get a, a jump on work. But maybe it's like, uh, I had a personal thing. So that's why I came back to, to do the work I was supposed to do today. So he, then he wants to talk in his office, which is this, just such a skis ball. He says that her behavior lately has been concerning him. So she apologizes. And she says that ever since that guy, Peter, died, what, and he's like, forget about him. It's you who's the problem. He asks if she's had any interaction recently with new people. And it's like, dude, uh, boundaries? Like, what, what does that have to do with you? You know, he's like, people who put ideas in your head. And she's like, what? Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? And she's like, no. She's like, chuckles. He asks if she's ever lied to him or something like that. And she's like, I don't have anything to lie about. Then he asks about her personal situation earlier when she left. She's like, what was it about? And she's like, well, I don't know if that's exactly your concern. He's like, but it is my concern. He's like, I won't be the only one who's concerned. You have a job to do here. A very important job. Do you know what would happen if she knew that you'd breached the walled garden? She's already suspicious. And she's like, who? She's like, who are you talking? Are you talking about Charlotte Hale? He Then he asks, he's like, what, what happens if a Judas steer r- runs the wrong way? What happens to it? 
and he's like retirement with a bullet to the head and he raises his like a finger gun to point at her and she's like stop and he's he stops and she says emmett back away and he does she's like he was not concerned christina was a problem and then he's like he like exhales then she says he decided to go home to his partner he worked too many long hours anyways and he looks at his watch he's like well it's getting late he's like divorce is a luxury i cannot afford she's then she's like wait you said there was a walled garden you mean closed system don't you he doesn't say anything and she's like where is it nothing then she says emmett told her the truth and he's like everywhere you just have to see it and he leaves then I don't know if she, she noticed like this strange doorway in the hall, like outside his office. And she goes in there and there's this, like this other room, this other office. It's got the whatever Olympiad entertainment thing. And she's like, show me the game. And in the, the big computer holograph thing, the city pops up. And she's like, no, not the city, the game. And, it, whoosh, and the city pops up again. And she's like, access my narratives. Then ding. Ding! You know, several lights, like, kind of, like, did a little light in it, and it goes down to the, the city level, whatever. And then she's like, go to the 59th, and it zooms in, and there's, like, little kind of computerish graphics, whatever. There's this guy, pops up, his name's Jacob, works in finance. Then the narration start overlapping, more and more and more and more and more people. And it's almost like, it's not, can't be everyone, but it's like, everyone, she's just like, stop. She's like, this world's just a story? I'm the storyteller? And then William says, like what he said at the beginning, there's a beauty to this world, an order. That's what they like to believe. So he's sitting, there's like a trail of blood, whatever. He's like, we're not wrong. There is an order, a grand design. We made sure of it. It was a dream for so long, and we finally made it real. So he's in the room where the real William, uh, the human William is being kept in that like circular machine thing, whatever. Not a better place, a perfect one. The machine opens... And then he's like, what I don't understand is what part I play in it. So human William says, you have questions? Why ask me? Why not ask her? And then he then he's like, oh, yes, the jailer might not be the best judge of the jail. And he like chuckles, nor the prisoners in it. Host William asks, what is he? And human says, I used to ask myself the same thing. The host asks, what did you decide? He's like, jury's still out. Host says, I'm made in your image. Am I you? And human's like, you'll never be me. Then the host yells, then what am I? Human William asks, why do you want to know? Host says, I interacted with one, an outlier. Did it infect me with the virus? And human's like, what virus? Host says, the one your kind has. It spreads to us, makes us kill ourselves. Human William chuckles. Sounds like you reached the center of the maze, my friend. Is that what you want? Hmm? To kill yourself? Ho says, I don't know. Is it? And he's like, perhaps you should ask yourself. Ho says, you ask me. Human's like, what do you think of your world? This isn't my world, it's hers. Human says, maybe it's time you question nature of your own reality. So we see Teddy sitting on a bench. Christina comes by and she nods. She's like, you're right. And he's like, you see it? She looks and she sees a tower. She's like, I do. It's been there the whole time. They have the whole world in there. Perfect reflection down to the tiniest detail. It's like, that's what, you know, she's writing everyone. And he nods. Who built this? You know, she's like, who did this to me? And Teddy's like, you did. And she just stares at him. So, uh, uh, kind of crazy. Uh, so what's going on with Dolores? And why is she Christina? And what does this mean? And 
So that was one thing that was a little weird for me when Dolores was controlling Christina. You know, she was in Christina's body. It wasn't really Christina, but she was like in building up her power with the company. And like I said, so many layers to, to this episode or does this show. And I can barely keep up. That's why I was like always hesitant. Should I cover this show? Because I feel like I miss little things. But it's not that complex. But anyways, so I'm, I'm just digging the show. I, I really enjoy it. The other show I'm enjoying is Blackbird. So we're uh, season, the only season, it's a limited series, episode four, What's Her Name? So uh, by the time you listen to this, episode five should be out. So it's Apple TV, Apple TV Plus or whatever. So it starts off in Wabash, Indiana, 1973, funeral home. Someone's prepping a body. There's a funeral. Gravedigger is like sitting watching. So the gravedigger is, is obviously uh, Larry's dad. Then it cuts to Larry waking up in a cell. So was he dreaming? Was he remembering? You know what's going on? Then uh, it cuts back. Larry's dad wakes him up early. Then it cuts to Kankakee, Illinois, 1974. Dad wakes Jimmy up early. They have to practice like throwing football. Then we see Jimmy in his cell. He goes to Larry's empty cell to look at like the pictures on his wall. He looks at things on his shelf to try to get any clues or anything like that looks in the book looks between the pages looks under the mattress stack of hot rod magazines finds a penthouse women's faces are like kind of drawn over and then there's like skull and knives drawing and there's like kill kill written other violent drawings dismemberment and stuff like that he puts it all back goes back to the cell and that carter guard is there he's like hey bud where were you and then he makes him come into the cell so you're saying there's no money left he says his dad spent it, and Carter says the the guys on the outside want their money. He's like, well, what am I going to do? Jimmy's like, I tried. And Carter says, he says that he wished he'd known him longer so he'd have a better sense of his character. Jimmy says again, he's like, I did everything I could. Carter just smiles, slaps him on the shoulder, and leaves. So it's like, that can't be good. So then, then uh, Jimmy hears, riot quiet. So Larry's in his cell now, and... Larry says that that's what they call it when it's quiet like this. It's like the calm before a storm. Then he asks Jimmy if he saw anyone in his cell. And Jimmy's like, no, something missing? Oh, why would something be missing? And Jimmy's like, well, you were worried someone was in your spot. You know, he's like, I'd be worried someone you know took something. Larry's like, I'm not worried someone was in my spot. Jimmy's like, then why'd you ask if I saw someone in there? Larry doesn't answer, but he has this like weird look in his face. So this is Larry is like trying to figure out like what what is going on with them. Then we see Larry and his dad at the cemetery. It's either like really late or really early. It's like pitch black out. They're walking with lanterns in the dark. They have shovels. Then Larry's like, "Why are you looking at me like that?" Jimmy's like, "I'm not looking at you anyway." And Larry says, "It's like you know me." And Jimmy's just like, "He's like Larry, what the fudge?" <laughs> and Larry's like, "Is that a question?" That's the one thing you do. You ask a lot of questions. And Jimmy is like, where's this coming from? And Larry points at him. He's like, that was the question. Jimmy's like, okay, Larry. And he starts walking away. Okay, what? He's like, I'm going to leave you to it. Whatever this is. And Larry tells him. He's like, wait. And Jimmy goes out in the yard. Larry comes up. When there's doubt, there's no doubt. He's like, that's something Gary says. If you think you could be in danger, you are in danger. He says, something's going to happen. He's like, I don't know what, something bad. Then he says, you know, sorry about earlier, he gets paranoid. And Jimmy says, he just, he's like, I just don't know you like one minute to the next. He just like walks away. Then we see there's a massive riot. Inmates are getting stabbed, 
throats getting slashed, guards are getting beat, lockdown is being you know called on an intercom. Jimmy and Larry make it to their cells. Place is trashed. Then the next day, Larry calls Jimmy. Uh, he's asked if he's still mad at him. He's like, he said he was never mad at him. He's like, I, I think you were. He's like, just because you think it don't make it so. He's like, friends, Jimmy, friends. He's like, what? Friends again? And there's a pause. He's like, yeah, sure, Larry, friends. And Larry laughs. What? He's like, I take care of my friends. Okay. So some inmates are brought into the cafeteria to clean. Larry asks if they can get a hose, you know, because he's looking at how they can clean up everything. Nope, no hose because someone could probably try to strangle themselves or something like that. So Larry starts giving orders about how to clean, you know, with the oils and stuff like what, what, you know, spray this, let it soak and blah, blah, blah. So then later, you know, some time passes, they're still cleaning. Jimmy asks, how did Larry get into cleaning? He says in high school, you know, after school, he worked at a feed store in town. Then he moved to his place that specialized in medical supplies. And Larry asks Jimmy what he does to support himself or what he did in high school. He's like, I sold weed. Larry's like, we didn't have weed at my school. Jimmy's like, if you were in America, they had weed. Larry's like, Wabash was just so innocent. They didn't have crime. They were they were like stuck in a time warp. And he starts reminiscing. And he's like, what a world it was. He's like, even growing up in a cemetery. Then Jimmy starts asking about that. Flashback, Jimmy's digging in the dark. Tears in his eyes. Dad's just like sitting or sleeping, you know, up, up top. Larry says, happiness is a choice. He's like, don't you think, James? So then uh, flashback, Jimmy catching a long throat is, you know, from his dad. Jimmy's like, sometimes. Larry doesn't think his parents were happy. They let the grind, they let it, like the grind get them down. Jimmy says that, you know, he was lucky, you know, because he had a great dad. He never really had a best friend because he was always with his old man. So then flashback, but then Big Jim goes to work. You know, you know Jimmy uh, waves from the window and then it's like night. He's sitting in his room, you know, waiting. Next day, he's like waiting more. And it's like night. Next day, it's, it's like, is he gone all this time? Then he's sitting on a porch while his parents are arguing inside. She's always out because he's never home. He says it's because he's working. So mom's mom's name is Lynn. So it's not the same as this lady, Sammy. So Big Jim finally storms out after, you know, he broke some things. She's like, oh, big man, whatever. And then Jimmy calls to him and dad just walks by him, just drives away. So cleaning still going on. Larry asked Jimmy if, you know, all that time with his old man, you know, if it helped. And Jimmy's confused. So he then he talks about football, whatever. Larry says that sometimes he reminds him so much of Gary, his gums ache. He's like, you both talk so big. Jimmy kind of thinks about this and he's like, I lied. He's like, I was second string, you know, because he, he said before he was like the best football player and all this, whatever like that. So he said he was second string. He rode the bench like all four years. And Larry's like, but you still made the team. And Jimmy's like, a lot of people made the team. Larry's like, but it's still an accomplishment. Why'd you lie? Jimmy says that he's like, you know how it is. You know, dudes try to impress other dudes with story to make them look bigger than they are. You know, maybe so they like them. Larry's like, he, he thinks Then he's like, if you had a pet chicken, could you eat it? And Jimmy's like, who has a pet chicken? And Jimmy's, he's, he's like, I, I wouldn't do that. Larry's like, I would. He's, he's like, I would have one and I would eat it. And Jimmy's like, you'd eat your pet? And Larry's like, it's just a meal. We're all just meat. And he, he says that he'd eat his pet dog. And Jimmy gets up. He's like, have you eaten your dog? And Larry says, we weren't allowed to have pets growing up. Jimmy's like, well, that's probably a good thing. Larry starts asking, how are pets and animals different? 
you know, he's like, people have fish, you know, as, as pets. Then he whispers, um, cause you know, they, they get yelled at for goofing off or whatever. He's like, they weren't allowed to have pets because his dad said it got in the way of real work. So flashback, Larry finally reaches a coffin. Dad's like, get to it. He, Larry has to take off like the cufflinks and rings and, you know, jewelry and stuff like that. Larry says that he was 14 when he started digging graves officially but he dug up plenty before then he starts telling jimmy about the things that people get buried with that they can't use like valuables and jimmy asks if he's scared being down with the corpse and larry said he's like oh the dead are pleasant they don't talk down to you they don't talk back they're just so peaceful he talks about like how no matter who you are what you do death evens it out so he talks about this one girl, like all like kindergarten through 12th grade, she was untouchable. They all thought that, you know, she was going to rule the world when she went off to college, but then she was roof jumping, but she didn't learn that too well because she fell like from two stories or something like that. He's like, not so untouchable after that. It evens it out. And there's a scene of like an older Larry standing over like an open grave. Jimmy's like, evens what out? And Larry says, whatever they thought they were in life. Then uh, Larry's struggling to get the ring off the guy's finger. He's like trying to pull on everything. Dad makes him chop it off with like a little clipper. To, and then, then he starts like kicking dirt at him to, to get him to hurry up. As they eat, Larry asks Jimmy if his father's still alive. Uh, so both their fathers are alive. And uh, Jimmy says that he was a fireman when he asked what he, what he does. I don't know why he lied. Then Larry's like, did your mommy work? <laughs> it was funny because he says mommy. And Jimmy's like, my mother owned her own bar. It's like she loved everything about it. Weird lifestyle. She'd be going to work when both kids' mom were making them dinner. She'd come home at like two or three in the morning. He's like, not what my old man thought he was signing up for when he married an Italian girl from the neighborhood. He's like, they fought a lot. And Larry bluntly asks if she was flipping guys at the bar. He's like, I flip and beg your pardon? Larry says nothing. Then Jimmy says that his dad thought she was, maybe. He's like, either way, he didn't like her flirting and she loved to flirt. So. Then Larry asks, what did he think about her flirting? So in flashback, we see mom getting ready. She's putting on makeup. Jimmy's like standing in a doorway. Then he's like, we'll just say, Lynn's a piece of work and leave it at that. Larry's like, my mom's fat. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> then he asks, he asks him to tell him something that's true. He says that, he's like, I've been telling you the truth all day. Have you? So Jimmy says that his parents split up when he was a kid. Then six months later, she let him move in. Glenn, real scumbag. They'd been together about a year when he started hitting her. And Larry asked if he'd hit him. He's like, all the time. Me and my brother, but mostly me. Anyways, she would not leave him. I could not figure it out. And then, then I got it. She was waiting for me to get old enough and strong enough to protect her. I started taking my taekwondo and karate and jiu-jitsu classes way more seriously than i ever had changed my diet changed everything and pretty soon i could beat any kid's ass he says that he still needed the age so that he could grow and take on a full-grown man uh you know glenn because glenn was a big flipping guy by the time he was 14 he was ready and it was it's weird as 14 the same time that jimmy started officially or larry started officially digging graves maybe he's like so one night they're all in the kitchen glenn hits his, his mother so he brought it Larry says, uh, you, you kicked his ass? And Jimmy's like, no, Larry. Mm -mm. Larry paints the flipping kitchen with me. He bloodied my nose, gave me what I'm pretty sure was my first concussion, fractured three of my ribs, and he sends me to my room that way. And Larry asks, where was she? Jimmy hesitates. She was taking a shower. He's like, do you know why she took a shower, Larry? 
He's like, so she'd smell good when they were together. And Jimmy's like, that's what she did. They were in there giggling and stuff on the other side of the wall. And I had to sit there with a bloody nose, head ringing, and my ribs barking. Larry asks, um, it says loudly, that wasn't what hurt. That wasn't what hurt. And Jimmy's like, it hurt like heck. Larry's like, no, 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 no. Bones heal. Concussions end. What hurt was it? she loved him so much more than she loved you. And Jimmy looks at him. He's like, kind of like saddened by the revelation. Like he never really thought about it. And Larry's like, he says there's something else. And Jimmy's like, no. And he, he takes his trash, his trade to the trash. Flashback, Jimmy tells his mom, you know, he's in his bedroom. He's like, I want to live with dad. And she's like, well, you can't. So he's all beaten up and everything like that. She's like, Jim, what do you want me to say here? Someday you'll be old enough to stand up to Glenn. But today ain't that day. It's like, now, I'm sorry you got tuned up, but you put a quarter in a jukebox. You got to dance. He says that he was protecting her. And she scoffs. She's like, it wasn't about me. This is about you. It's like, you got what you were asking for, and it didn't turn out the way you thought it would. There'll be other chances. You got to learn to walk before you run. And she asks if he needs any ice or anything. He's like, no, I'm fine. And she's like, all right, suit yourself. But your face will feel better in the morning if you put ice on it. Then Larry asks, did you ever want to hurt your mother? And he's like, yeah, I wanted to hurt her. Beat her? Jimmy nods. Kill her? Jimmy's like, yeah, I wanted to flip and kill her. Sometimes. So Larry asks if he thought about how, you know, uh, chuck her down the stairs. Larry says that she could hang on. That you know they do that, particularly when when the neck breaks, then the bell goes off for them to line up. And Larry asks if he could do things to her then. And Jimmy's like, "What things?" And Larry whispers, "Things." He's like, "To my mother." And Larry's like, "Well, to anyone." Jimmy pauses. He's like, "I don't understand." Larry's like, "I soak." And he's when he says he's like kind of like look not even look at him. It's like his eyes are closed. So it's. Just it's this, this guy, this actor, man, he's he's so good. He's like, I soak a rag in starter fluid and put in a mason jar in my van. If you put it over a person's face. And then he's like, and he like kind of chuckles. They're out in seconds. Nothing to it. He's like, I got to figure it's a lot more pleasant being thrown down a flight of stairs. Jimmy's like, forget the stairs. He's like, why do you do that, Larry? So they'll stop hitting me. And he's like, they? girls you know and he's like what girls girls i meet but then they have to start moving larry's like what do you do with the girls you meet then they have to start moving and larry's like what do you do with the girls you meet then we see a flashback to jimmy at a bar buys a girl drinks i think he gives her some drugs you know because she always comes back and it changes like a woman after woman like drinks shot shot boom boom back at his place going at it so basically it's like Jimmy's kind of doing the same thing. He's not using a mason jar. He's plying them with like drinks and drugs so he can hook up with them. So Jimmy's like doing push-ups in his, his cell and Larry's like, today was real fun. And Jimmy's like, yeah, it was. And he's like, good night. Flashback to the grave. There's a bird and Larry asks about it. Dad's like, that's a falcon. He's like, they watch over the dead. And then he, Larry jumps back in a grave. He's like, what are you doing? He gets a finger and he comes out. He's like, it's mine now. And he like laughs. So that's like kind of creepy. Gary visits Larry. He asks about the riot. Was it scary? Uh, Gary And Gary's like, you look good. You put on some weight. Do I look fat now? And then he's like, no, no, you look good. And he's like, then he's like, what was the name of that girl we picked up on that road trip? And Gary's like, I don't know. He's like, it was a long time ago. Larry's like, 
Maybe it was Lois. And Gary's like, her name wasn't Lois. It was Louise? It wasn't Louise. And then Larry's like, Donna. Gary's like, it wasn't any of those. She's like, they never knew her name. Larry's like, oh, I'm pretty sure we did. Gary says, she was just some chick we picked up. And next morning, she headed out with that biker who had puke green Harley. That was the last time we saw her. Then Larry's like, now I remember Wanda. Gary doesn't say anything. Gary's like, the police stopped by the house a couple days back. Local Wabash. They wanted to make it clear they hadn't forgotten about him because he embarrassed him. And Larry's like, ah, Sharon. And Larry's like, yeah, that was it. So I don't know if he's just saying that just to get him to stop. And Larry says that if they think they're going to be all over him when he gets out, that means they think that he's getting out. So it's so weird with, I don't really know what to think about Larry because, you know, he's a serial confessor. You know, he made up some stuff. He planted evidence on himself. So it's like, is he really innocent? But some of the stuff that he says doesn't sound too good. And and the way he talks sometimes, it kind of seems that he's kind of simple-minded. Like he's, you know, not really clued in on what's going on. But then other, like this, he almost sounds a little devious. So, man, I, I just have no idea. We've got two more episodes. I have no idea what, what's where this is going to go. And what the heck is going to happen with Carter? I feel like he's going to, like, retaliate against Jimmy somehow. And now Harley Quinn, season three, episode one, Harlivey. So um, let's just go, go through. So it's picking up after second season where Poison Ivy was going to marry Kite Man and then uh, Harley kind of broke it up and made her realize that they are in, they, in, they care about each other and they took off together. So it starts off, we see Harley and Ivy in bed, but then, you know, going at it, but then it's, they're actually watching like a, a porn parody that was filmed within the, like the two weeks since they've been together or something like that. So they're actually in the Fortress of Solitude watching and Jorel video, you know, hologram Jorel starts talking and wonders like, you know, why are you watching a dirty movie and whatever? And, and then he's like, I'm going to call my son. And so Superman comes. So they take off. They have Wonder Woman's invisible jet. They're going to go on this like, um, take over the world tour, what like eat, bang, kill tour. Like one thing they do, they call they crank call Jim Gordon to basically steal his uh, credit card number, and so they can do stuff. Um, and then with Jim, I, I think he was running for mayor because I think he, it was I I don't know if I just got distracted for a second, but he's it was like kind of like a debate or something with the mayor, and even though he's still working for the mayor, but he's running for the mayor or something like that. Anyways, Harley's uh, been showering Ivy with gifts. It's uh, and but this was only maybe I have it wrong. I thought I, I have it in my head. It was like six days, but it, it can't be that. Be- anyways, because it was two weeks with to make that movie. So they um, they go to where Ivy tried unleashing her plans to terraform the world before, like prehistoric, everything like that. She was only able to do in in one acre. And she's really like, bummed over the failure of it that you know she had this big plans and she just she didn't couldn't pull it off. But Harley convinces her to rethink things. She's like, oh, but now you got me. You can do it. I'll help you and all this stuff like that. But then you can see at one point, it's like, can she handle not having Wi-Fi? You know, she's trying to get a signal on her phone, and Ivy's like, no Wi-Fi. You know, that's kind of the point. Is like not to have that. But then you know, and she's like, oh, that's okay. She like throws her phone, but then it, it gets a signal, so she gets a call. Uh, 
King Shark calls her because they're in prison. So then she wants to break King Shark and Clayface out of prison. And Ivy's going to go with. So, but it's actually the call was a trap from Jim and Two Face. So Two Face, <laughs> I, I must have missed this. Two Face is Jim's like campaign manager. So they're they're free, you know, to catch Harley and Ivy, you know, the, the criminals who caused you know did all this stuff. Then that'll help them win the election or whatever. And they they go there. They they're they're pretty sure it's a trap anyways. But they they get the adult actresses to distract the cops on the roof, and then they go in there. At one point, Harley or Ivy bumps into Amanda Waller. Then Harley like gets in an argument with her because she's like, you know who that is and everything like that. And she's like, oh, she's she hasn't done anything lately, and uh, so it's just like all, all weird. It's like, what was this interaction between Harley and Amanda Waller? Because and you know they don't even reference that it is her, but you know you can tell it's her, or we can tell it's her. So uh, Jim's getting yelled at by the mayor for messing things up, but then. Jim's like, well, I'm still going to kick your butt in an election, whatever. And then, but then it turns out Harvey, Harvey Dent is actually the mayor's campaign manager. So Jim is surprised because he, he thought he was working with him. And, you know, Harvey's like, it's like, but it's, it's all in the, the moniker, you know, because he's two faced or whatever. So then he throws on his like vote for Gordo pin, whatever. Gordon picks it up, throws it out. And then there's this like kind of crazy chain of events. Like it hits the squirrel's head and he freaks out, jumps in this guy's face. And uh, he, he gets, there's, he, I think he gets hit by a bus or about to get hit there by this bus being driven by a kid, whatever. And it, then this other thing, basically this piece, piece of machinery propeller flies and kills a mirror. So all because of the button, it caused that. So Jim's going to be, be able to be, it's going to be a lot easier for him to be the mayor now. Then it, it reaches uh, Harley and Ivy's 18th day anniversary. Harley has big bags with a person, and it's Amanda because you know she said Ivy wasn't like a badass villain or whatever like that. Ivy knows who she is, and she tells Harley, "Like this is the head of the Suicide Squad," and she's like, "Oh, because like, Harley knows Amanda through like emails, I guess, or something like that." She's you know she says she's good with names but not faces. But then Waller says, you know, there's be repercussions for kidnapping her or whatever. You know, Suicide Squad has Captain Boomerang, Killer Croc, Enchantress, Deadshot, Katana. And then it turns out that Plastique is Amanda's PR person. And, you know, she, uh, she I, I think she says that she's the bomb or something like that. It's just weird that because with what happens later but anyways clawface he's been trying to audition for a james gunn movie about thomas and martha wayne like the waynes and everything before you know they get killed he is not really getting the role but then he ends up being uh he he can be the director's chair because he tells you know james gunn that when his back was hurting that you know he needs he needs lumbar support or something like that uh so plastic is throwing bombs and chasing Harley and Ivy because whatever, because, you know, this is part of Amanda's repercussions. And then at one point they, they end up like wrapping her up and everything like that with vines, but then she blows herself up as part of revenge. Amanda gets on a helicopter, flips them off. So Ivy's now sad because her, her whole place is gone. It's just, you know, with all the explosions, everything just went up. But then Harley says it's all her fault because, you know, she kidnapped Amanda Waller. But then Ivy says that, you know, maybe she's just not meant to terraform the whole whole planet. But Harley says that she can now because she has her in a corner. But Ivy's like, I saw how bored you were. But Ivy's, you know, she agrees to, you know, Har Harley convinces her. So she's she's going to give it a shot. 
season three, episode two, there's no Ivy and team. So like the idea is that Ivy is like going to be leading them, I guess. But it, it starts off with Dick Grayson. He's narrating about Gotham City. This Gotham needs a Nightwing. You know, so he's on a bus or whatever. And it turns out like Harley and Ivy are on a bus too. They all get out and Alfred is there to greet Dick. And then Harley and Ivy end up sealing like the limo. Harley and Ivy return to the mall. Har- Harley's lair. Uh, so they're all reunited. Nightwing goes he goes to the Batcave, you know, after he gets there, and he's like, "Oh, it looks feels smaller now." And he's look goes to the costume place, and he's like, "Why does this one have boobs?" Because there's a costume for Batgirl, whatever. So he meets Batgirl. Batman comes out, and he's like, "Oh, I see you installed more dark corners." And then he's like, "I'm Nightwing now." He's like, "We're equals, not Batman or Robin." And Damien's like, spins in a chair, and you know, he's playing a video game. He's like, "You got that right," and he calls him a name or whatever. And Nightwing's like, "What?" He's like. I was like, I thought you were like four. And Rob was like, it's been eight years. So Batman's like, what's with your voice? He's like, it's a bit overly serious. He And Dick's like, I think it's just appropriate amount of serious. So he's basically trying to be more like Batman. Ivy explains her plans on terraforming to Harley's gang. They need uh, this sample from like a prehistoric mosquito. It's like in a piece of ember or whatever, like in Jurassic Park. But then Bane shows up and he's he's there for revenge and he wants his wedding gift back, whatever. And he gave him like a dishware set or something like that. But they're like, uh, you can't do that. And they're all like using him, whatever. So he's just angry. They go to the museum. They find a mosquito. So they do that heist. Uh, it doesn't quite go as planned, whatever. You know, there's some, some kinks that, that kind of backfired. But Ivy makes the syrup, drops a drop on like a crack on the, the floor at, at the mall, bottom of the mall. And it look this little plant comes out and starts like moving around, but it doesn't go well. It just gets bigger and bigger, and it, and it's like radioactive or something like that because it kills itself in like this can of toxic waste or something. So Ivy's bummed that she messed up the, and she called it the Eden formula. She, you know, and she, she says there's too many cooks in the kitchen. She needs to be alone. But then Harley's like, no. Then it, uh, Firefly and his henchmen are attacking the city. So the Bat family is going to go. The plan is to be discreet, but. Nightwing doesn't do discreet, so he jumps out and he's like attacking it, and so it causes the Bat family, Batman, Robin, and Batgirl to jump out and start fighting. It so things don't go too well. There's like some collisions and, and that. Then we see Bane trying to buy a bunch of explosives at Lexmore store or something like that. I think that was the call. Oh, uh, that was what it was called. His credit card gets declined declined because of identity theft issues, so he has to go down to the bank or whatever. So he's upset because he can't buy his explosives. They give it to someone else. <laughs> and Harley and Clayface get Ivy into an escape room to do teamwork. King Shark and another random person are, are there because uh, Harley didn't want to pay extra for like the private room. Uh, the random dude ends up getting killed. So it turns out that the place is run by the Riddler because she saw that this this ad on, on TV about camaraderie and stuff like that. So she wanted to take them, you know, make them all do a escape room together. So they, they try finding a way out. Ivy says that, you know, she should be working on the formula and everything like that. And she hits this candlestick on a mantle and then the room kind of like shifts, like kind of like floor parts of the floors rotate and they're like all split up with like the Bat family. Bang, um, Goes to the bank to try to clear up his identity problem. The bank teller, you know, is like listing all the stuff that he bought and everything like that. 
And then the bank teller's like, you know, I think you're depressed based on these purchases or something like that. And he's like, well, maybe I am. Ivy and Nightwing are together, so they have to play chess uh, against a computer because the, the ceiling's starting to fall. There's something about, like, winning and losing or whatever. Clayface and King Shark are in a room with Batman and Robin and the Macaroni. Uh, Alfred, long story. Harley and Batgirl are in this other room. It turns out that they both saw that commercial about the camaraderie or whatever and, and wanted their families, you know, whatever, to get along or learn to work together. Nightwing beats the computer at, at chess, but then the, the floor or the ceiling, spikes pop out, and so it's still moving down there. So then he starts kind of having a, a breakdown saying that, you know, he messed up and everything like that. Like in, in Bloodhaven, he let Tarantula kill Blockbuster. So he feels like a failure. And, you know, he says if it's, you know, probably a big deal because, you know, the family's going to find out or if they do, whatever. So, so then Ivy goes to whatever, tells him, like, shut up and, and wonders if they're supposed to lose at chess. So she goes to the chessboard, basically asks Nightwing to tell her, like, what's the fastest way to lose? They do that. It works. So everyone's reunited. Ivy realizes that, you know, she had to embrace, you know, she, she embraced failure to win or something like that. And then, you know, how did Harley figure all that out or whatever? So she does a new formula, drops it. Does it work? Not quite. <laughs> um, Bane pulls up with explosives, but the mall is destroyed by the, the toxic. It's like arms and feet. Nightwing, um, Decides to try again with Batgirl. He introduces himself to Batgirl, whatever. He's like, I'm, I'm Nightwing, member of the Bat family. So he's not going to try to be like Batman. And uh, season three, episode three, the 83rd annual Villy Awards. So the gang moves into uh, Selena's apartment while she's away because the mall is destroyed. And Catwoman was with Batman, who is... This is the, the controversial scene, I, I think, maybe, because he was, like, kneeling in front of her or whatever. Ivy says that she's close to perfecting the serum. Harley, it's this part is, like, so annoying. She's, she's like, ah! Keeps screaming, because there's, like, one... There's an email, you know, she wanted to unsubscribe to it. And then she screams again, because she got the email confirmation, whatever. But then, so, yeah. It's just... She gets another email saying that they were nominated for the best couple at the 83rd annual supervillain awards. And, you know, so she really wants to go. Uh, then we see a scene. Th Thomas Wayne's been working long hours where he calls Martha. He's like, Oh, we're going to do it. I'm, or, I'm take time off. He's like, put on your, your best pearls. Those ones I like, whatever. So they can tell Bruce we're going out or something like that. So James Gunn's, you know, he's directing this movie. Clayface, uh, pre pretends that he's James. He wants to get like one on one time. Billy Bob Thornton is playing Thomas Wayne, so Clayface really wants to work with him or just talk to him. You know, to learn from him. So then he goes up to him and he pretends to be James Gunn to to try to talk about like some you know script notes or whatever that night. But you know, he really wants to acting lessons or just be in his presence at the Villy Awards. So it turns out Riddler and Clock King are also up for for best couple. I think they said something about that they were Gotham's first openly gay couple. I mean, was that? I guess that was before Harley and Ivy. Kite Man's there too. So uh oh, things are gonna be a little awkward. He's like at the same table, and it turns out he has a new girlfriend, but she's not there yet. Oh, and then we see Codpiece. So uh, you might remember Codpiece from Doom Patrol. Uh, we did a video with Giant Bomb and Comic Vine like way back, but I don't even know if you can see it now. 
So Billy Bob comes over and he to Selena's place. He he figures out that Clayface isn't James Gunn because he James or Clayface didn't get all the facts right about James Gunn. And then he he ends up getting killed by going into this forbidden room at Selena's because Selena's like, don't go in the room with the green door or whatever because one of her cats, quote unquote, cats was in there in a timeout. Ivy's been uh, out. She was outside. It turns out she was talking to Kite Man's new girlfriend, Golden Glider. You know, they, they, they soon realized that they were both with, with Kite Man. Uh, Harley tried following the dude carrying the winner for best couple. She wanted to look at the, the, the cards, you know, when it's announced, you know, when their person is on stage. Why is that not making sense? It doesn't sound right. And it, it turns out, you know, she goes in the bathroom and it, it turns out like this is killer robot. So she's been fighting in the men's room. Shark King goes and eats Billy Bob's body to hide the evidence. Then Clayface realizes that he can pretend to be Billy Bob on set. And then Harley and Ivy decide that they don't care about all this stuff. Because, you know, the reason Harley wanted to win, because whenever they won, you know, she and Joker were nominated, he would always keep all the awards, wouldn't let her, like, touch them. And sometimes he wouldn't even let her go on stage or whatever. So, you know, that's what she really wanted to win it but then they decide just to leave the awards and everything like that and the best couple award goes to harley and ivy so joker was been like emceeing you know hosting the awards or whatever and he claims the award for himself and he gives a speech and everything so he still gets it even though he didn't win it and that was the end of episode three so it's just i don't know maybe it's not compare or whatever but I, i think maybe after talking to tara strong again and just talking to tara about harley because i've always talked to her about raven or teen titans so i just i don't know i mean like the screaming at the the email part i just that was just annoying and it's supposed to be annoying i just didn't like it and i just i i miss the other harley and again not to compare but come on (laughs) anyways so that was the third episode and it's funny how all the cameos and stuff that they're throwing in there okay then with paper girls so season one episode one growing pains um yeah so i'll talk about more next week but right now this is all i i've watched as i record this so i'll probably watch more i don't know tonight or tomorrow uh so it's first episode is 38 minutes so we, we see now we see ali wong if you're watching with closed captions, it tells you what her name is, but you know we don't need to worry about that right now. She's drinking at home, then the lights go out, but then there's like this pinkish purplish light outside, so she kind of panics. She thinks someone broke into her house, so she goes to check. Then we see a girl, and again, kind of spoilers from the comics or whatever, this girl, Aaron, Aaron Ting, T-T-ing. she wakes up at 426. We see it's November 1st, 1988, Hell Day, the end of the world as we know it. Because, you know, Hell Day, the day after Halloween. She starts uh, rolling a stack of newspapers that were, like, dropped off or, you know, dumped at the front of the house. So she's a paper girl. The next girl, Tiffany Quilkin, she gets woken by her mother to go deliver papers. She goes by Tiff, whatever. K.J. Brandman gets dressed i think she's jewish because i think they make some reference about like her money or whatever or something like that and then there's mac where mac is a girl it's a quote is a paper girl whether you know however mac identifies i don't remember if it's been mentioned but they they kind of make it with you know mac's hairstyle and everything like that they're like like oh is this a boy you know they 
it's it's kind of avoided a couple times when it's brought up. But anyway, so Mac gets threatened uh, by her brother and about his missing Walkman, whatever. Mac steals her mom's cigarettes because she's passed out on her. Was it her mom or is it her dad? I thought it was her mom. But anyways, maybe it was the dad. So Aaron's out delivering. She throws a paper to the wrong house. She goes to get it. She, you know, she looks at her list and realizes it. And then the dude comes out with a bat. He's just like yelling at her. He calls her a Jap, but she's like, but I'm Chinese. So basically he's like a racist. Because then uh, Tiffany comes up. Tiffany's black. And she's like, here, just here's your paper, whatever. You need, whatever. And so she's she's like, I don't know if people were like that. And, and Tiffany's like, racist. So, uh, so and uh, Tiffany tells her, she's like, oh, you picked a great day to start. Because, you know, she knows she's a new girl. She's like, this is hell day. You know, Halloween just ended four hours ago. So she asks Aaron what her route is, and she's like, oh, you're two blocks away. You're not even on the right street. So then, then this was kind of weird. She lends her her walkie-talkies, and these are, you know, 1988, big, huge walkie-talkies. I think she said she spent, like, 50 bucks on them or something like that. So she's like, here, take this in case you need help. Mac rides up, like, on a little, like, kind of BMX bike, says that uh, this bully named Wally and his buddies are just chased this paper girl down the street. So they start writing, and Tiff calls Aaron. Come on, he's like, you know, we'll, we'll need backup. And so they find him in this like tunnel, like this underpass. Then Mac shoots some fireworks at them, whatever. Which I, I don't. Okay. Then Aaron suggests that they all, you know, as they're together, they're like, why don't we all write together since it's Hell Day? At first, Mac's like, forget that or whatever. Mac finally agrees. So Aaron gets grabbed. The people take the walkie-talkie. So, you know, and she skins her knee. They go search for it and they go to this like uh, house that's being built. Yeah. And because uh, Max says that his brother, her brothers, and his friends party there sometimes. So they go in, there's nothing. They go in the basement and, you know, there's like those plastic sheets still hanging and stuff like that. So they find these people down. So they start, there's a struggle, but it turns out it wasn't walling his friends. So then, then a fuse box starts sparking. So then they, they run out. When they're upstairs, like it's just kind of pinkish, purplish lights, whatever. Outside the sky is like the same color. And it's like, is it pink or is it purple? Is there a mix of, of the two? So they run to Max. Max calling her brother and, and dad. And there's no answer. Then Tiff hears this other language on her walkie-talkie. And they're like, oh, it must be the Soviets, whatever. But then they start talking about, it's like, we didn't see anyone on the way over. Max, like, that's because it's FU clock in the morning. But they're like, no, there weren't any cars. There's like nothing going on. So they wonder, was there a nuclear attack? They're like, you know, the sirens would have gone off. And so then Aaron wants to get to her mom and she's like, you know, insisting on, on going. But they're like, no, best thing is to, you know, sit here and wait. But, you know, she says how her mom, her mom's English isn't good. So if, some, you know, anyone comes or she's not going to understand what's going on. They uh, tell stories of, about things that happened to him on the job. Then they start hearing, you know, just reminiscing about like weird things. Then they start hearing just this like weird noise outside. You know, and there's these lights that are like the Soviets out there. Mac has his dad, her dad's gun. The girls are freaking. He's like, you can put that down. You can't take this. So there's like this struggle over this. And then it goes off. And then Aaron gets like shot, kind of like in the gut in the side. So now they're in. A, they're all in a, in a car. And Tiff is driving, and they're like, you drive fast. She's like, my mom only lets me drive once in a while. I mean, I don't even know how old they are. So then while they're driving, then there's there's like these t- two guys in in this, the street, and one, like, 
kind of like white one gets like shot or something like that it's like wait what and then they both get shot the doors open and they get pulled out of there so aaron's like in a daze and it's like ronald reagan's talking to her she's like uh, am i dead or something like that but but then she's like where am i so someone uh put something like slap some like patch or something on, on her side they're in the woods now and they because they came out of like some sort of craft or something like that these two guys are kind of talking like with a voice modulator or something like that. Um, they have like metal like embedded in their face. This is just like kind of kind of weird. Um, they said that their friend will be all right, but they just traveled. It's like, do you understand traveled? So then the guy tries getting them back inside the craft because, you know, they're, he says they're going to be here soon. Then he's like, I don't think you realize it, but you're a long way from home. Then there's like this shooting going on, so they all kind of scramble and everything like that. At one point, you know, Aaron's leaning against a tree, the shooting's still going on. She sees like this pink metallic bug flying, and then, then she like kind of lifts her shirt. There's a bunch of like bugs crawling on her, too. She's like trying to like pull, you know, shove them off of her or whatever. More running, they're, they're all together. Uh, for one guy, got the first guy got shot, the second guy gets shot. He hands something to Tiff, it's like I don't know, it's like a hard drive or some some black thing. It says that it'll it'll get them underground, you know, or to the underground where so you know go to home. They um, get a ch- chance to stop and rest. And Aaron's like, they murdered those guys, you know, because they just shot them. Then Max like, wait, how are you not dead? And then she lifts her shirt, and there's like nothing. There's like no marks. So Aaron thinks that they might be close to her house. Then this dude in uniform with a rifle, he, I think he said, asks if they're with underground or something like that. They don't, they're like, we don't know what that is. And then KJ ends up hitting the guy with like an umbrella or something like that, hits a boom and boom and like knocks him out. But then they're like, wait, is he dead? So then she's you know, kind of freaking about that. And then they're, you know, they're, they're kind of sneaking away. They're like hiding behind some bushes. And the, the second guy that got shot that was with them, they see this like lady in white walk up to him and then she's just like, looks like, just shoots him. So they must not be very nice. They run, they reach Aaron's, they go inside. Uh, Aaron calls out to her mom or Missy. And then this lady yells like, hey, who's there? It's like, I'm calling the cops. And they're like, is that your mom? Because, you know, she's Asian too. And she's like, no. Then she's like, what are you doing in my house? The lady's like, what are you doing in my house? Aaron's like, I live here. And the lady's like, no, I live here. So then Tiff's like, uh, Aaron, come look over this. There's like pictures on her fridge. And Aaron's like, no, that's not possible. So Cage is like, she's hurt. Look at her. It's it's adult Aaron and young Aaron. They traveled. So time travel. So that's that's the first episode. So it's a it's it's it was good. Um you know, I, I, it didn't, the first episode, I will admit, it didn't like completely blow me away, but it's just laying things out. Act, actors, the, the girls are, are great. So um, I'm looking forward to watching the rest. So this, this is going to be fun. I just wish it wasn't all at once so I can talk about like each episode more individually or whatever. Okay. So now we're going to talk about Green Lantern Beware My Power. I almost forgot that I, I didn't realize that there was a, out already that this was coming out th- this this past week and which is why i feel bad about not getting the videos with the, the interviews with the cast up, up sooner so at comic-con so interviewed the director uh the two co-writers um i feel like there's someone else and then um aldous hodge who plays john stewart jimmy simpson who plays green arrow brian bloom who's adam strange and jamie gray Hyder, who's hot girl I feel like um, there's someone else that I, that I talked to. It's in the, the same kind of style as, as the recent DC movies, but looking at this, it's it's like the Justice League's already established. You know that that's mentioned later. 
So with with the other ones, you know, with like the Batman and with Superman, the Man of Tomorrow, it almost was there a Batman one. There was right. There's had to have been. It, it feels like it's just like early, you know, starting the DC universe, you know, just whatever this this version starting over. But a lot of characters are already established because so since this is John Stewart's story, like Hal Jordan has already been Green Lantern, you know, because that that's you know he's he's mentioned in, in here and and so forth. So it, it's interesting, and then with like the Justice League, you have uh, we see you know Green Arrow, Martian Manhunter, and Vixen are, are are part of the Justice League, and there's a Justice League Watchtower. So just so you know, like the, the state of things. Now, what's interesting about this, and and you know, as, as I mentioned, it, it's always cool. I always love doing these these press interviews, like talking to the actors, because it's it's just so fascinating. I, I I'm so blown away just about the nature of voice acting. And I've interviewed some voice actors that, you know, they are pure voice actors. And then, you know, often is the case, you see, I don't want to call them regular actors, but then they do voice work. And it's a different thing. You know, I don't want to demean what a voice actor does, but it's almost in some ways being a voice actor, it's got to be harder than being a regular actor. Okay, the, the simple thing I would say is like, yeah, maybe you don't have to memorize your lines because you could read a script. And if you're acting, you have to memorize your lines and act it up. But that's the thing. When you're acting live action, you've got your whole movement going on. So, you know, you can do all that and that, that goes into your act. You can convey, you can sell a scene by the motion and just, you know, the way you move, your body movement and everything like that. With voice acting, your whole performance is tied into your 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 voice, into your delivery so it's it's always such a fascinating thing and i'm always curious when they record this and and i i don't want to ask the same thing all the time because i I don't know if it's just a stupid question or a boring question but i'm always so fascinated when they record their lines are they doing it in a booth by themselves or are they doing it together with others because in some of the cases like with teen titans go they tend to record these together. And I think that that's important because then you can kind of bounce off and riff off each other versus if you have a script, it's like, okay, Hawkgirl says this and then you read your line and then someone else says this and then you read your line. So it's like, you can't really, you can't 100% tell how that other person is going to read it. And and yeah, you may have your script and the hopefully the voice director tells you how to, you know, okay, do it like this. No, add a little inflection here, do that. But you never really, you can't tell 100% because the other voice actor might do it a little different. They're like, oh, wait, that actually sounded really good like that. It's a little different than what we had in mind. So I don't know. But it, it's just, it's such a such a cool thing. And, you know, also the, 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 a lot of times, like I mentioned earlier, talking to Jimmy Simpson. And I, one of the first thing I, I had to say to him was like, man who fell to earth, he, he, was, he was so in that movie and that was such a good performance i was like oh my gosh and uh he, but he's he's just like such a nice guy he's so funny and everything like that hopefully by the time this podcast is out those videos are on my youtube channel so you can you can check all those out now with the movie i'm just trying to talk about the beginning i i, I won't spoil the whole thing but just to give you a, a taste for it so it's available on blu-ray uh you know 4k ultra hd and it's also available digitally so it's it's a good movie, and I I've really like this latest batch of movies. I I feel because with with the ones before they were good, but 
in some of the cases, I didn't necessarily watch them right away. And then when I watched them, I was like, okay, yeah, this is good. You know, good performance, good story and stuff like that. Just something about it. And I don't know if it's because we it, things kind of got reset after um, Apocalypse War, Dark Side War, whatever it was. I, I don't remember. But it, it almost feels like maybe I'm a little more invested. Maybe because it's, it's fresher, it's newer. And with the last run of continuity i kind of missed the first couple so then it was kind of catching up and stuff like that but i just really like i dig the animation i it's, it's just the stories are, are, are interesting and with with green lantern beware my power the cool thing about it this isn't fully based on any like single like story arc or you know or like a, a hodgepodge of story arcs or some elements or whatever but it does feel different and and i i think that's interesting what a lot of like the screenwriters and director they all mention it's kind of like Apocalypse Now. And we're seeing, because, you know, John Stewart, it starts off with him in combat, like in the Middle East. And, you know, his whole platoon gets taken out because, you know, he's like shooting. Then you realize he's the only one, you know, so it, we see he's having these flashbacks. And then he's just like standing in the street. This guy's like, hey, you know, move it, buddy, or whatever like that. And he like kind of attacks him. He like slams against the wall and because and, he's basically having PTSD. So that's pretty heavy for a comic book movie, you know, to deal with that. And this I feel like this movie it's I'm pretty sure it's PG thirteen but it's it feels a little more mature in some ways just to, to deal with that and and that that's it's a it's a really cool thing to just to see how this affects because you don't see that a lot in a lot of medium you know yeah there are movies that particularly deal with that but it, it's kind of interesting to see that and and plus the fact which I mentioned earlier that this is John Stewart's movie that. You know, he's such an important character. It's important to a lot of people. It means a lot to, you know, everyone. He was a huge part of Justice League Unlimited and everything like that. But it's like, now he's finally getting his movie. Don't get me wrong. I love Hal Jordan. I love Kyle Rayner. But, you know, there's some... John Stewart is... He has, like, this this certain level of prestige where, you know, he's just such a good Green Lantern in character. So, anyway, so... Uh, then he's walking down the streets and then there's a, a couple like thugs or whatever. They're about to light this homeless man on fire. And John's like, what are you doing? And he starts fighting them. And, you know, he's he's getting the better of, of the, the two dudes. And one guy like busts a bottle. The other grabs a metal pipe. But John still like beats the crap out of him. Cops come. Of course, you got one black guy, two white dudes. John gets tased. And or, you know they 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 can tell he because maybe he's wearing like a army jacket whatever thing, sort of like you know you can't just keep doing this and you know whatever he's like you may have served but whatever. Then one officer looks at his ID. She's like he was a Medal of Honor winner. She's like uh, you know maybe you'd want to avoid the bad press or what like that. So they're like just you know go home and stay out of trouble. So he goes to he takes a cab home and his uh oh before this we see a guardian. Uh, I don't know if it was it was if it was Ganthet or not, but he's like in this damaged ship and it's like approaching Earth. So John arrives his beat up home, you know, from a cab, and the ship crashes. You know, he sees it burning out of the sky, crashes his like vacant lot like next door. So he runs over, he goes inside, pulls a guardian out of the wreckage, and you know, and that's the thing. He just like jumps in, so he's a hero. You know, here here's a friggin' alien. There's a ship. He just goes in there to, to save him, and he's like, "I found you at last, John Stewart." And then he's like, "What?" He's like, "What are you talking about?" And, and he disintegrates. Then his, all that's left is his like robe, his guardian robe. 
a ring pops out and it's like, you possess singular will. Welcome to the Green Lantern Court. So then he tries taking off. He can't get the ring off. He starts glowing. Kind of doesn't quite have a full uniform, but he has got like the emblem. And then he's told that he needs to help stop a war or whatever. He's like, is there someone I can talk to? And then it like makes him fly. And he's like freaking out because he thinks he's going to die out in space. He gets taken to the Justice League Watchtower. So here is where we see Green Arrow, Martian Manhunter, Vixen. They're, they're talking about like things going on. Superman and Wonder Woman are gone. They'll be back like another week. Batman pulled another one of his MIAs, whatever. And and then um, an intruder alert. You know, they, they, they see John there. So they, they think he's an intruder. They start fighting. Um, John gets a little brutal. Like at one point he makes a big giant knife and it like almost like stabs uh, Martian Manhunter in the head. Vixen is about to stop Green Arrow from shooting him because she sees a lantern emblem on his chest. And then they're like, like, oh, you know, the Guardians haven't said anything about a new, you know, Green Lantern. And they're like, well, they haven't really talked to us in the past year or something like that. Then Martian Manhunter asked Ring who was his previous owner. And the Ring's like, Hal Jordan. And they're like, so because, you know, they haven't heard from Hal in a while. So does this mean Hal's dead? I won't say anything about that. So they need to figure out what's going on, everything like that. So John and um, Green Arrow are going to go to Oa. They they go to the ship. The ship repaired itself and, and everything like that. Then Green Arrow says, like, oh, this is why they haven't been returning our calls because the, the place is trashed. Like, so Oa's been attacked. John gets some flashbacks, you know, about seeing the destruction in the city and everything like that. But then uh, he, he managed to get the ring off. And right at that point, Hawkgirl shows up, starts attacking because she thinks that, you know, this this has to do with, with the 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 Ran Thanagarian war. So she thinks that they're part of it, that the 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 Rainian the Ran whatever Rainians attacked Oa and everything like that, but they're supposed to be working with the Guardians or whatever like that. And then that's where it where it it, it goes on to like what is dealing like who who or what started this war? And I don't want to get too much into it, but there's like some other other good moments, like, like the first time John Stewart has to uh, recharge his ring because you know he he he's like down to like one percent or something like that, and he's like, what what's going on? And and Green Arrow actually has to show him how to do it. He's like, here you go, and then he like he's like stick your hand in it, and he does it, and there's like nothing. He's like, you got to say the oath. He's like, what oath? Green Arrow knows it because you know he's best friends with with Hal Jordan. He tells him the whole whole oath and everything like that. He's like, that's ridiculous. And he does it and it works. So, you know, that, that was kind of funny. And then, you know, we we do have Adam Strange in the, in the movie, as I mentioned. So he, he was interesting. And it's not quite Adam Strange as you would expect. It's a little more of like what we've currently seen in a certain book. And um, I will say also that Sinestro Corps are in here. So there there's a lot going on. And... In one of the interviews I did with, uh, I think it was a co-writer, I don't remember if I put that out because I trimmed a little bit of, of some of the interviews because they were like over over 10 minutes. I might have cut the part because he said something about a fight at the end that he wished could have been a little longer, that you know they had to, had to trim it down. And that's the thing. This movie is long. It's it's not your like under eighty minute movie. It's like I think it's like eighty seven minutes or eighty some uh, something minutes, which is weird because I don't know what it is unless they do these like two part movies. Warner Brothers always makes these be like seventy four minutes or something like that. It's like so weird that they're so short. 
why not just do 90 minutes? And and I don't know if, if they're like, well, if we air it on Cartoon Network, there's going to be commercials. That feels like that's the, the driving force. I don't know if that's the case or not. But I, it just, just seems weird. And, you know, I think they mentioned that the script was like 100 pages and they're supposed to be like 70 pages. So, you know, trying to figure out what, what the cut and everything. So overall, you know, I, I, I feel like I've mentioned that there's still a lot more to the movie. And, and there's like some there's another pretty big aspect that I haven't mentioned. So it's not like I've spoiled the whole movie. I mean, there, there's other other big things. It's, they do a really good job, so it's, it's definitely worth checking out. And like I always say, it's important, I, I feel, to support these movies because I, I want more. I want these all to be successful. I want to keep seeing you know, more and more of these. Otherwise, you know, we're, we're not going to get more. And it used to be that we would always just get Superman, Batman, you know, like I always go back to like the first Wonder Woman movie where it was such a good Carrie Russell uh, was Wonder Woman, such a good movie, but no one supported it. And I, I, and I feel like a lot of people are pirating, you know, these movies. I don't know if they, maybe they still are. You got to support them. And I know it's, it's tough. People feel entitled. Why should they have to pay? You have to pay because so many people work on these movies and, people are like, well, you know, Warner Brothers is a big corporation. They have millions of dollars and stuff like that. But it's like, no, they they may have millions of dollars because they, they earn it. They want it to be profitable. These people at the top, they don't care about delivering your precious character or whatever. They're just looking at, at the bottom line. They just want to make money. And if they can make money doing a Jon Stewart movie, they'll keep doing more. If they don't make any money doing a Jon Stewart movie, we will never see one again for, you know, years. So I always say, you know, you, you got to support these. And, and even if you just rent it, you know, I'm sure you, you can rent it some. I don't even know how. how yeah, I'm sure you, you could rent this one, too. But sub support them. Don't 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 pirate. You know, stealing is bad. Just just do do what you can just to support these because it, it's worth. And the same thing goes with comic books. So that's my soapbox preaching thing. Is is a really enjoyable movie, and Jimmy Simpson he does such a, he he delivers he does such a good job. There's a couple moments where I'm like, I don't know if he's like grizzled enough to be Green Arrow, but it is a younger Green Arrow, maybe I think, yeah. And but he, he I would I would love to have like a Green Arrow movie, you know. I I wouldn't have said that before like last week or whatever before I saw this movie, I probably wouldn't have said that, but I would love to see another movie with Jimmy Simpson. Cause I, I feel like he just, he did such a good job and, and yeah. So check out the movie. It's, it's really cool. Okay. And now the movie feature is Jordan Peele's. Nope. <laughs> uh, this was an interesting movie. And, and so it came out last week or the week before, obviously when I was at, at Comic-Con and I was like, Oh man, I'm going to miss it. And then it's going to be too late. But I, I'm going to talk about it. Uh, you know, I, I did want to see DC superhero pets, but um, I'll see that at some point. I don't know when, when I'll see it. I wasn't sure if that'd be podcast worthy. You know, I do want to see it, but with, with Nope, it is, a, it's an interesting movie. So Jordan Peele, you know, he's, he's kind of established and I feel like he's, he's pretty consistent with what he does. He puts out good movies, uh, Twilight Zone TV show. That's, that's maybe hit or miss. But the, the movies have been been really good, and with with this, I didn't really know a whole lot. You know, you see, I, I think I only saw like the one trailer, and I was like, "What is this exactly about?" And it's interesting when when I looked at the poster, 
I didn't even realize what it was at first. I'm like, what is this like blob like floating in the air? But then you actually see it's like, oh, wait, is that's a horse floating? And there's like all this stuff. And what's that cloud thing in the sky? So it's basically it's it's like a I guess you could say it's it's like a, a alien UFO movie, like horror suspense um, type type of thing. There's just some some interesting aspects to it where and a lot of it is character driven you know we we get to to see these characters so uh daniel uh kaluuya he he does such a good job in in here and just his he kind of i don't even know how to describe how it's just a lot of times he doesn't have to say anything it's just his presence just the way he stands or looks or whatever he's like conveying his his mood and vibe and energy right there and then uh his sister uh kiki palmer she is almost like the complete opposite of him and so you know she does a really good job and then you know there, there's steven yoon who is is he's an interesting character you know who he portrays and you know there, there's some other characters involved as well but what's interesting is is the the movie starts off with a uh, the sitcom called gordy's home you see this is chimpanzee Act, you know, he's like in this this sitcom show. He attacks there. It's chaos on the set. And what's interesting, you you see this shoe kind of somehow standing up on 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 its it up on its end. It's like how is that possible? And there's a Stephen Yoon's character, Ricky. He's like hiding under table when on all this because and, and it, it's interesting when you first see this, you know, I, I almost didn't notice this. So this whether it's a little spoiler or not what, what the, with that part, but I seen like this chaos and everything. And at first I didn't realize that the chimpanzee attacked. I was like, is this some from like alien invasion? Did something happen to this? And I'm like, this poor chimpanzee, he doesn't know what's going on. He's sitting there. He's probably scared or confused. You know, he, he's got this party hat on and he's got clothes and you just see like, you see like a, a pair of legs like laying on the floor. At one point he just kind of like hits the foot. It's kind of like, come on, wake up. What's going on? And then he just like takes off the, the birthday hat. So I'm like this poor chimp. He's probably so scared. <laughs> and then when you see the scene play out extended, it's a, a different story. So then uh, the the present day, we see uh, Daniel Kalua. Um, his name's OJ. His dad and him they they basically they handle horses for movies and TV shows. You know they they train the horses. They bring them to set, and people can use them. One day, um, some things start like dropping out of the sky or whatever like that, and something his, his dad ends up dying getting killed by one of these things and they, they think it's just like an airplane flying over just dropping stuff like that so oj has to take over the business and you know this is like the family legacy type of thing he while he's been working you know we see like a flashback where he's you know working with his dad since he was a kid and you know with the horses and everything like that he doesn't quite have the business savvy sense and then his sister you know she is like on a whole other level where you know she's trying to you know run all her different things and um but it's it's like how are they going to be able to do this? And like you know, we see like one incident on a set doesn't you know things don't go too well. But what it comes down to then is there's there's something in the sky. There there's basically it's, it's a UFO or whatever like that. And it's I, f- I forget if it's who has the idea if it's a sister or whatever. But then they're like we need to record this. 
And it's, I think it's more to sister. She's, you know, she's like, we got to buy, you know, better equipment and stuff like that. And he's like, I don't have any money, but she's talking about how, you know, you can sell this and have your Oprah moment, whatever. So they keep referring to it, you know, where you can show this footage. And cause like all the, the footage is out. It's like all this really bad and grainy footage. So, you know, get some better equipment and everything like that. And, and then, uh, the, the guy, it's weird. Cause the, this fries, um, electronics, are they still exist? Cause there's one dude, angel, he, you know, he sets the stuff up and he ends up like helping them and everything like that. Cause he's, it turns out he's like kind of into UFOs and everything. And then, uh, we find out that there's just more to the story, like what's going on. And, oh, oh at the same time, what Steven Yoon's character, he ha- kind of has, um, this like show ranch, like next door, next to their, their big ranch where, you know, people come out. It's almost like this attraction. People go there and, you know, he, part of it, he's, 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 um, playing off the the fame from the the show he even has like this secret room where he charges people with like all this memorabilia from the show uh including like the the floating shoe what or the the, what the physics defying shoe and everything like that but then you know he he wants to buy horses from oj and stuff like that and there's like a little bit more going on with what he's trying to do and and everything but it's it's interesting with uh when the ufos come up because <laughs> there's like you know there's a couple of tar- parts where like daniel he's like nope <laughs> and it's just the way he says it and delivers it it's just perfect but it's interesting how he comes to realize like okay these are aliens and how how does this apply to the overall story and you know why why is particularly do we have this horse wrangler dude uh, you know how can he can he survive this this these aliens and there's other things like when the aliens comes like all electronics like just like stop so that that plays this other aspect to it and everything so it's it's i don't want to give too much away but it's it's just it i I feel like it was was just really good and there was there's a bit of suspense and everything like that i and oh just the 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 scenery the location i mean it was it was just it's amazing just seeing the skies and the mountains and man i i was thinking it's like it would be so amazing to have a place to live out there at the same time though. I can't help but wonder, it's like if you're living out in the middle, like acres of, of open land, like no neighbors, like within sight or earshot or whatever. My big fear is like, what if some like shady person comes up to your house? There's no one around. Cause at least when, when you're in a neighborhood, like if there's like a big bang a glass window breaking, heaven forbid a gunshot you know a neighbor is probably going to hear something but you're out in the middle of nowhere you you know you have that peace and solitude but it's also like you're out on your own uh because like when the incident beginning with with oj's dad they have to load him up in the car get to the hospital because it's not it's going to be a a drive you know just getting to the probably the main road is, is a drive so that's like one thing that's going in my mind. It's like, oh, this would be so amazing to live out here, but it'd be like, it'd be kind of freaky to be so isolated too. I don't know how I would feel about that. You know, just just being, you know, just things so dark. You know, I'm not that I'm afraid of the dark or anything, but it was just just really really amazing. So, uh, how the movie do? Let's see, Rotten Tomatoes eighty two percent. People are are liking it. I would have to say. What, what I'm saying, uh, like it, it, Slash Film says, Nope may not be uh, Jordan Peele's best movie, but it's his most enjoyable. I would have to agree where I, I don't think it's his best. You know, Get Out is, is still amazing. 
Um, I, I feel I should watch that again. And I really like them. Them, I feel like really kind of, not not went off the rails, but it really kind of stretched your you know your sense of disbelief. It really went somewhere different, but I, I really enjoyed it. I, I like that as well. I don't know where I would place Nope. Like, do I like Nope better or, or less than them? I don't know. But as my, I really enjoyed the movie. The ending, the ending was good. Uh, it was satisfying and all that. But part of me, I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of processing this. I don't know what I would have wanted more because there, there's something I feel like something was just a little missing. If that a little missing, like it was missing something. <laughs> I don't, and I don't, I don't think that that's really a valid complaint or or comment because. It, it does a good job. I mean, you got the whole complete movie. Boom. Everything's there. But I feel like, I don't, I don't know. Um, so I would say the movie was really good. The ending was good. So if, if that makes any sense. So I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And I, I thought it was, it was interesting. Um, oh, what, what's this? I'm looking at Wikipedia now. Potential sequel. In July 2022, Brandon Pereira revealed that he had conceived Jordan Peele or convinced Jordan Peele and Universal Executive to change his character's fate. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Out of, for a potential sequel saying, there's no way the story's over in my head. There's no way for how heroic everything kind of seemed at the end. I'm like, there's no way they just leave the heroes like this. This is just the start of something new. Uh yeah, so um, I don't know. The movie, let's see, it had a sixty-eight million budget, and it looks like it made fifty-four point six million. Um, I don't know. Um, hopefully, I mean, could we get more? Maybe I don't know. But I, I did did like it, and I, I feel like I, I'm just just rambling now. But. It, it was a good movie. So I would say if you get a chance that you should definitely check it out. And um, it's, it's, it's an enjoyable. It, it's just, it's, it was really well done. And like I said, it, it's very suspenseful. It's kind of creepy in a way, but it's, it's not like a horror creepy movie. So it's, it's weird because it keeps you on, you know, on the edge of your seats and everything, but I, I think they just did it. Jordan Peele did a really good job with it. And, and just all, all the performance and everything were good. So I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I'm glad I, I went to see it. You're seeing it on a big screen, just again, the, those environments and everything like that. Even seeing like all the stuff. And I don't know if I've said too much, but it, it was it's definitely worth seeing in a, in a theater. So you should check that out. I think I've that's it. I think I, I've said more than enough. So with that... That's going to be the end of the episode. I can't believe another episode has gone by. Uh, big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Um, let's see, what am I doing? Uh, last week, I, I did a... Oh, lost interview uh unpublished interview with rob liefeld talking about a deadpool bad blood and um 
it's it's just it's interesting. I mean, I, I I love interviewing Rob. He's just so enthusiastic, and and he's a knowledgeable guy. I mean, it's obviously you know Deadpool is his baby. He has just so much interesting things to say about it and everything like that. So, I, I it was a really enjoyable interview. It just it never went anywhere, and I had this audio, so I was like, this let's just listen to you know here's a little special Patreon. You know, exclusive. You you can hear what what he had to say about because you know Marvel also just re released Bad Blood in the comic book format. It originally came out as a hardcover, like OGN, you know, graphic novel. So you can listen to that next week or this week. Um, I haven't quite decided yet what I'm going to do. I, I have one other option, uh, or and I I probably will start doing another comic book story arc soon. I have no idea, but you have that. If you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. And that is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. All right. So as I'm trying to just getting used to being back from comic, it, it, man, this summer, the past few weeks, past month has just been so chaotic for me. So trying to get back on track. But then school is starting up soon. So it's like, oh, man. So next week, uh, I'm excited. The feature is going to be Bullet Train. I'm probably going to talk about Paper Girls. So obviously, I didn't talk about Paper Girls this week. I'm really bummed that Amazon dropped all episodes at once. That really, that really bums me out because I feel like you know I've, I've talked about this so many times. There's no way I can watch eight hours all at once, you know, with, I have just so much on my plate and, you know, everything I'm, I'm trying to do, all this other stuff that I'm watching and reading and everything like that. And I still feel that if I talk about, like, even if I talk about next week, I feel like it's, it's, it's already, it's been out for over a week. People are like done, you know, cause maybe some people have binged it. Maybe some people haven't. I just feel like it's weird because like with Westworld, I'm talking about it every week. Boom, 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 boom. Where, paper girls people are gonna binge it or watch it as much as they can they'll talk about it and then three weeks later what oh yeah paper girl remember that i just feel extending it week to week you get that longevity and just that that you know the cliffhangers holy crap what's gonna happen and you have a you have to wait a week i love that feeling anyways so thank you for listening i'm gonna do the other shows as well uh, I'm glad you're here. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're you're enjoying your summer. I hope you're staying healthy. And I hope you remember, be good to each other. 